Hey everybody, welcome back to another Photog Adventures podcast. I'm Aaron King. I'm Brendan Porter. With families and day jobs, we know it's hard to find time to get out there with your camera. So Brendan and I joined together and made the commitment to go out consistently and build up our landscape and astrophotography portfolios. We live in Utah and are lucky to have so many beautiful landscapes all around us. Not only do we have five national parks right here in Utah, but we are only a day or less drive away from 30 other national parks. So we created PhotogAdventures.com, this podcast, and our YouTube channel to chronicle our adventures. Come along with us to amazing places and learn from our mistakes and our successes. We hope that you will get out there too and have a photog adventure of your own. It's episode 64 and it's the last episode of the October, oh, October, the Oregon 2017 trip that we went out in November. Once again, we're joined by Kirk Kai's and Drew Armstrong. Hey. Check out Kirk Kai's work at kaisphoto.com. You can go to drewarmstrong.com to check out his work and his drone work. It's episode 64. Poor Brennan, we're burning through the 60s. I know, it's crazy. <laughs> we're going to get to 70s and 80s, and I believe throughout next year, we won't get to 100. The math doesn't work out, right? We could get to 100. We should get to 100. No, this is like 50-something weeks in a year, 52 right, weeks 52, in a year. 52, so I guess in 2018, we'll hit yeah. episode 100. Yeah, we'll get to it. Yeah, and guess what admins on our Facebook group will give you guys hats for it. By then we'll have. By hats. then we might actually have them. <laughs> oh, that's sad. Mm. So it is right now twelve oh four a.m. We just got done recording episode sixty three, and now we're bringing Kirk and Drew along with a classic photog adventure podcast night. Kirk's gonna fall asleep on us, <laughs> and we're gonna have to like knock him over. Wake well, up, Kirk's man. actually doing fine. It's only eleven out there in Portland. Yeah, it's eleven o'clock here. <laughs> so on this trip, we're talking about Thor's Yaquina Head Lighthouse, Yaquina Bridge out there at Newport, the Cape Kowanda area, Cannon Beach. I mean, this was fantastic. We're joined by John Henry Maurice. We're joined by Kyle Kephart in these trips. And so you're gonna hear us pause for a section and a segment and we'll get, you know, John on the phone or Kyle on the phone and we'll get them into the podcast and join them into this and tell their stories and we'll come back. So let's go through. We're burning through a lot of stuff. So let's get started. Man, we woke up in the morning, bright and early, and we headed out to Thor's well. It was chilly that day too, I remember being it was. It was our, the first cold uh, day, I think. That was the worst place we stayed at. <laughs> oh, right. We've got to start there. So, so the Chinese bad. water torture that drew. So these guys, I mean, we, even, we should have known we walked in the room and we didn't think about it until these guys actually slept. The next day they told us it was dripping on them the whole time. But their bed was already pulled out from the wall. So yeah. Obviously, fortunately, somebody, fortunately somebody was, was already clued into this dripping. Yeah. It was raining all day. So that we opened the door and immediately were like, man, oh, it smells oh, it smells musty and mildewy. <laughs> I hate that smell. Too. It's like my, oh, one of my worst smells. I just can't stand mildew. We already smell. had a late dinner. We're ready to get some sleep. We knew we were going to have an early morning. So we just had hundreds of gear to bring in. I think that was the last hotel room. That was too. the last hotel room right? like as an option? Yeah. Oh, I think it right. was. Yeah, yeah, there was not much available. And so area. we weren't looking for things other than Kirk. He's been very helpful looking for bed bugs and signs of bed bugs so he had checked <laughs> for, for that yeah i got trained at work the week before on how to find bed bugs so nice. i had yeah, to put that to use to use those skills yeah and i found no bed bugs the whole trip every, every place we stayed was good that is good to know and with all the commotion of us bringing stuff in we never could hear the dripping and no one noticed the dripping everything was just kind of old and dirty it wasn't perfect so when we saw some you know copper spots on the ceiling it didn't register mm. as a leak. 
But as we're laying there asleep and everyone's now trying to sleep and I keep waking up every hour myself, I could hear drip, 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 constant. And we're looking for it and you could hear it hit the carpet. Um, Kirk and Drew, did you guys ever wake up and look for it while I was asleep or do anything like that during the night? It didn't bother me. I put my earplugs in and I was yeah. done. I was fine. <laughs> if it had been hitting your face, it would have bothered you, but you had oh, no sorry, idea it was happening. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah probably. <laughs> probably would have been a problem if it was hitting my face, but I, I, I wasn't. Yeah, I, I kept my... waking up hearing that sound also, and I almost got up to see if it was coming from outside the window <laughs> or inside the window, and I was just too tired to actually get up and do that. Exactly. Yeah. I felt like I wasn't sleeping well enough. I needed to keep sleeping. It wasn't making me wet, but I wasn't sure if you guys were alerted to it, and I kept thinking about it, but I didn't want to turn on the light. And I kept waking up to it because I didn't have in in, uh, earplugs, and I just kept thinking, oh, crap, like between Drew and Kirk, there's a part on their mattress that's getting pounded with water. (laughs) (laughs) And I was feeling so bad for them. See, and I was lucky, too. Drew and I both had earplugs, so I put earplugs in, too. And even though I didn't Checked sleep out. that well, I didn't hear anything. And I def- typically sleep better with the earplugs in. So. <laughs> so after a night of Chinese water torture, we went out to Thor's well. And you pull up, and you have a very tiny – well, it actually has a pretty good-sized parking lot when you think about yeah, how many yeah, stalls there mm-hmm, are. Mm-hmm. But it's just one car length away from where the road is. Right. And it's pitch black, and we realize we're not really sure where it is from here. So we're standing mm. up there where we have a little bit of cell signal looking at the the, the map and the looking at the satellite ocean. images. <laughs> we can hear or- yeah, ocean. It's pretty loud. But yeah. yeah. But we didn't know, okay, this path, that path. We finally saw that, okay, the path ends on that side of the parking lot. So we reparked over there, and we were looking and checking. Okay, we go down this, but here, okay, go left. And then once we get down to that point, somewhere is Thor's well. Mm-hmm. But we weren't sure exactly where Thor's well was. So when we get down to the last little you know, um, switchback, and then you're sitting above a staircase going down, you can hear big crashes happening, mm-hmm. and you could feel water spray. And so you felt like you were going down these steps into just a very precarious thing, pitch black, lots of water. And I was a little unnerved watching all of us spread out, and some of us far on the right, some far on the left, and I had no idea where the actual cliffs were and the edges. <laughs> it's like, who, who's going to get hit by a rogue wave in the dark because we have no warning? And those rocks were sharp, too. Everything was like it was like razor, you know, black obsidian razor sharp edges on everything, and it was yeah. like it was crazy nuts. Yeah, I ran off pretty quick there too. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah. we've got all these like charcoal obsidian rocks everywhere we're stepping on. We're not sure where is a nice safe spot and how far we've gotten to Thor's well or away from. We're hearing crashes different directions and geysers going off. There's that one. Do you guys remember the name of it? It was like a consistent spray. It was cooks something. Like constant geyser. Spout. Something spout. Yeah, spout. Was it cook spout? Because something cook. Yeah. Like Captain Cook, I remember. It and it's an area where the water comes through and it fills up a funnel of water or a, just a gap that has a perfect spray. Yeah, I think spray. there's like a blowhole in the rock that's yeah. probably about like three to four inches in diameter. Really cool. That's a and really good way that, of saying And as soon as that uh, wave comes up, it just poof, and it sounds like a whale blowhole. It's poof, Exactly. And it pops, it's so cool. And when I saw it in the daylight, it was shooting up really high. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, like 50 feet. These psh, 
giant mm-hmm. sprays would just go spraying up. and We wanted yeah. to get there that night before so we knew the area, but we didn't have that chance. And so all of this was new to us and these sounds. And it's pitch black and we're just like, all of a sudden we're just like, what is going on around here? Is this- Where are we walking to? Yeah. <laughs> and so we're trying to find what is obviously Thor's well. You can see in front of you pretty well on the sea foam, the white, you can recognize it. And we finally found a depression that was large enough. And the way some of the waves crashed through, it all seemed like, yeah, this has got to be Thor's well. We went off to the right, checked another place, off to the left. Okay, no, this is definitely it. And we start setting up our cameras. And I'm thinking, all the compositions I've seen, they're kind of at this angle, but it seems like I'm not. And these guys found higher rock, the section of higher rock that was just right on top of it almost. And it seemed like nowhere else had that same kind of a perspective. And so it must have been it. There's there's really no other choice of where else you can go. Yeah, yeah. and the, the hole is, what, 20, 25 feet across? It's, it's a big hole, the the well itself and uh, maybe 10 feet away from it towards the shore there's this little ridge of basalt that's like maybe two and a half three feet higher than the rest of the basalt there so it makes a perfect spot to stand on as you're taking your photos so it gets you up out of all the waves that are coming in because you don't want to be here at low tide because then the water's not going to make it up through the well yeah and as the tide starts coming in there's going to be a point where you decide, okay, it's time to go because now it's just coming over the top of the lava flow that uh, Thor's well is made in, and uh, so you got to have a balance on, uh, you know, where the tide's going to be. But yeah, that ridge of rock is uh, like a good spot to look for to take some pictures from. So being in the dark, how did you guys overcome the let's find my composition when you're dealing with you kind of have a few precarious places to put your tripod legs and you're choosing between them with three other people around you and you're trying to figure out if it's a good composition. What did you guys do to try and overcome that? Anyone? Brendan, what did you do? I found the tallest rock um, in that area and tried to set up my tripod there. Um, I really got... um, I wanted to get as many of the lines... Of the, of the motion of the water going back into the well, both in front of me and in the well itself. And so I thought that getting up higher and getting that advantage where I could see like deeper into the well would give yeah. you more of that motion going, draining in back into it. That's the, that's what I was mm-hmm. looking for for my composition was the, looking for that strong, smooth, like drainage you know, line. Yeah. Those misty, mystical, awesome, smooth lines <laughs> going into that rough, jagged rock. You know, it's just that great, you know, complement of each other with the smooth water and, white water to, you know and then having that black contrasty sharp rock i mean there's just so much contrast in all of it i was just looking for something that could really emphasize that what'd you do drew i tried several things I, I wanted to get the well in the foreground once it started getting light and actually get mm. some of the sky too and and so, so what that mean for your positioning well i i geez it's it's kind of hard to you know i mean when you're talking about where the well is the wells between obviously between us and and the and the water and right. uh so the you know i mean how the well works is obviously there's a cliff down below there where the waves rush into the cliff and get squeezed up and pushed up through there so we're on the other side of that and um 
and I kind of once the light started coming, I worked my way around um, a, a little bit towards the side, so I'm like kind of looking up coast kind of mm. thing, and uh, and I got a little wet over there, but of course <laughs> we got a little wet everywhere there, but yeah, um, wasn't. But I, at least I, once, <laughs> I agree. I mean, I set, I set my, you know, I'm standing on top of these rocks, but I also set my tripod up really high. So you're getting a lot of vertical, um, for, for some of that, because I wanted to get, um, I, I think there's two ways that you can get a lot of the well, either you get really close to it or you get up high and, and then you can get that, you know, the, the water draining back in um down the sides because you got to be yeah. able to see the side view of that maw otherwise yeah. you're like eye level and you have the hint that it goes down right but seeing more of the maw that is the well is really what sells the whole action right mm-hmm. and and it was it's crazy i mean one of the reasons that it's so fun is because those waves come through and they have this violent explosion of water oh, yeah. shooting out of this thing right in front of you <laughs> and fortunately, you know, it's it it's going straight up pretty much and so it breaks a lot of the force. I I never felt like I was really in a in a really dangerous spot. Um <laughs> we're looking at a picture right now that Brendan pulled up and it's exactly what Drew's saying but not accurately as was he in a dangerous spot? I guess not really. But this wave is like it's coming up and attacking Drew. It's all curling towards <laughs> him and over his head. Brendan got an awesome image where he just really froze the water in time yeah. as it's just it's about crazy. to drench Drew. Yeah, so as the tide was coming up <laughs> higher and higher, you know, it, it we got were getting more, more violent. Yeah, it was getting more violent every every like five more minutes. More volume of water was coming up through the Yeah, top. it's like the force was just coming up so much stronger every like five to ten minutes. And so by the time five the to sun- ten minutes is he's saying that's when the height of like a big wave would come. But like you got probably what every four to eight seconds, another crash through the well. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was happening quite frequently. But but as a tide, like like I said, every 10 minutes, the tide would get higher and higher and more mm-hmm. volume would come yeah. through. Yeah. And and the sun was coming up so I could actually take this picture at one eight. 180th of a second to freeze everything and have enough light to where it actually worked really well. It was fun because it, I mean, it's, it's kind of like having a waterfall that changes all the time. Yeah. And, and, and and then as the light would change, we we had that too, but you could experiment with it where you say, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to slow this down and I'm going to wait for the next series of waves and I'm going to, I'm going to speed it up a little bit or try this bracket or, or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, and I came back from Thor's well with so many different exposures and so many different, I mean, and, and quite a few different locations relative to the fact that we're all standing around a hole in the ground. Right. 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 And so, cause (laughs) we, we, I got to move to some different places and, and try different compositions and things like that where, where the the well is either the focus or the well is the foreground or the you know different things like that and the sky wasn't bad that morning either. No, it was pretty decent. So it was really fun. The thing about shooting Thor's well in the sunrise is that you don't have light already on Thor's well at any point. You just get it once it gets more and more towards the morning and once the sun gets higher than the mountains behind you. Mm-hmm. This area has a high high mountain right on you. You're in a shadow spot. And so Thor's well itself I don't recall right up until the last like half hour, I don't think we still had any direct water light yeah. hitting the rocks right, and the water right, there. Right. So mm-hmm. at a sunset, it'd be a much different experience. Yeah, it would be. Be, be. The cool. next time we're in the area, I want to do maybe two days there, 
you know, of both two, sunri- two sunrises and two sunsets would be amazing. Uh, I'm 100% on board. And can we please get the leaky hotel room? Because that'd be great. No, thank you. We'll find a different place. <laughs> well, it gets you used to all the water out on the Yeah. Uh, all we got to uh, do is turn there, around so. and sleep with your feet down on the other end with your boundary socks on. <laughs> yeah, let the boundary socks handle it. So in this situation, there's three guys already on the big obvious platform. And I'm picturing, I know workshops with Nick Page are always here. And they have 12 people plus Nick plus Majid. Mm. So what did they do to have space? There must be other options. And I'm trying all these other options, but it's so dark. I can't really make out precisely what the lines are going to do. And what the lines do really kind of depends on how much white bubble comes up. Mm-hmm. The sea foam. The sea foam, if there's a lot of it then it really draws obvious lines. And if there's only a little bit of it, it has like a different color, different shape to everything. Mm -hmm. So I kept looking around and I got really lucky. On the other side of these three guys, there was a rock that kept me up out of the water. And there's a big crashing wave behind me that would flood the area. The waves coming out of Thor's well would flood the area. And so all of it was really, you're standing in soaking wet water or you can get up out of it. And I had this rock that was just right, just outside of everything. I could set up my tripod and stand up here and waited. And this is when I finally pulled out my 10-stop filter and used it for the first time. Mm -hmm. And it only took about four to six tries and I found two awesome shots. And at the exact same location, the exact same, you know, terrain, I have two different swirls that happen with the rocks in front of me. And it all mattered. The difference mattered with how sometimes a Thor's will crash would happen and then recede and go quiet. But sometimes you would get a crash that happens while the crash is happening Mm. and you get these two different timed waves that then would hit each other, create another little flurry and then flood out. And so one of my shots is with just the water coming up and peacefully, calmly pulling back. And another one's where it had a big old flood hit with another flood. And so the water levels were higher and covering some rocks where they weren't before or there are wispy white lines like clouds going through the rocks that weren't there before because they didn't have as much of that sea foam. Mm -hmm. And so I had these two compositions that turned out great. And I knew that Brendan needed some time with the filter. And I'm like, all right, I'm happy. I got this shot. The only thing that I'd really like to do again is have an opportunity to be closer to the well because then I could see more of it fill my frame because all of the rocks that are on the outside of this are great. But I just don't feel like I really had an intimate, close, Mm, here's mm -hmm. Thor's well. The entire image is about Thor's well. And so if I do a sunset like this, I'd like it this wide. But on this situation, I think maybe being closer would have been fantastic. Maybe standing on these rocks right there. Then you need some ropes and a life jacket. (laughs) Very true. (laughs) The reason why I didn't go closer is because every other crash of waves, you were grateful you were as far away from it as you were. Mm -hmm. It's exploding out of there. I, 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 I literally I think you'd have a ball with some ropes and and a, a waterproof case for your camera at Thor as well. You could have so much fun. Get right down close to it and just deal with the fact that you're getting covered mm. up by the wave. That'd yeah, you're awesome. gonna die. Well, you know, I mean if you were if you were anchored there and you knew that you were gonna expect that, I I think you could do that. It'd be fun. But I Yeah, I, mean, I think we kinda lucked out with the tide because yeah. um when we got there the tide was um, low Yeah, the tide. tide was out, and it was starting to come back in. Yeah, exactly. We were at the perfect time where it was already out, and then every, like I was saying, like every 10 yeah, minutes, yeah, it would get higher and more higher. Exciting. We get yeah. bigger, bigger waves, but that gave us plenty of time to be out there from 
from dusk till sunrise, you know, to really get the shots we wanted to and, and to enjoy a nice um, kind of relatively peaceful at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And then it got more and more violent, the water you know, as, as I, it went on. You know? My thing that was sad is that right about the time it was light enough, I was like, okay, time to pull out my ND filters. <laughs> I didn't want to put my ND filters on my camera at that point. I'm glad I still have them, right? <laughs> yeah, I, you dropped them, didn't you? I they dropped them, and they were floating around in the water. <laughs> I'm like, ah! Back. I had to jump in there and grab them. But About to be I, swallowed I by a water version of the Sarlacc pit. It was yeah, I've got, I've got one of those like uh, low-pro cases that is padded, and it has a little um, phone. I, you know, I've got circular NDs, and, and – uh, and I, they have um, – the case has just enough foam in there to keep it buoyant. Yeah, yeah. And so it was floating around <laughs> on the top. And, you know, I mean, I got them out. And, but I, I was just like, I'm not going to put those on because they're going to be covered with salt. So when I – you know, I finally – we got to the hotel – I mean, to breakfast. I, I took them in the bathroom and I, I was pulling them out. And they really didn't even have any salt water on them. It was pretty They would good. have actually been fine. They would have been probably fine. Awesome. So with your photography, Kirk, did anything turn out that you really loved? Yeah, we had tried to get out there uh, while there was still some uh, stars out, and we almost just barely didn't make that because the first couple shots I have, you can see a few stars. The only problem is the the clouds were still kind of heavy in the, the top of the sky. So I've got a few shots where there's a few stars showing through, but... It wasn't quite as uh, star-filled as I was hoping for. But, uh, um, yeah, I, I got some shots I liked with, uh, you know, the water, you know, s- slowly running back in with the long shutter speed and some stars and some clouds along the horizon. I think those turned out pretty nice. Um, one thing I do want to point out is that uh, Thor's Well is not a place that you want to carry all your camera gear down to and start taking pictures. <laughs> you probably want to yeah. pick your camera, your lens, and maybe like a uh, rain cover or, you know, something to protect your camera and your lens when you go down there because stuff will get wet. It's yeah. the, the, the location is a lava flow that goes out into the ocean, so it's this bench that looks pretty flat from the highway but once you get down there it's you know up and down several feet and like Aaron was saying there's pools in one spot and you know ridges in the other and none of it is flat and uh, there's no dry place to set anything there is no dry place to put your camera bag down so don't even bother bringing it just get a cam your camera get a lens your tripod and just head down there and uh you know, hope for the best because yeah, it gets pretty intense as the tide starts coming in. Yeah, don't take any non-sealed stuff down there unless you have um, a cover that you trust. Right. Mm. Yeah. Because everything – I mean, I think you could get out of there if you were careful without getting wet. But it's not I, – I, I think you've got a pretty good chance you're going to get wet if you're trying to get a good shot no matter yep. what. If the swells are high – you probably don't want to go down there either because, I mean, I think we had like two and a half meter, three meter swells, so it was relatively calm. So even as the tide was coming in, we weren't really being swamped a lot with right, uh, right. large waves. But if the ocean's got a lot of swell, just don't go out there. It's it's going to be a dangerous location. Yeah, if you've got a nine meter swell instead of a three meter swell, 
I, I would guess you're swimming at that point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know? Yeah. You're so, washed out to sea at that point. I, I mean, it, it's the kind of thing where where if it's daylight before you go out there, you can sit and and you have a vantage point from from you know the trail basically where you can look out there and you can see if it if it looks reasonable or not. Mm-hmm. Um, other thing yeah. is, I won't take any kids out there. It's not a safe None. place. People at our restaurant when we were getting our dinner, they're like, "Oh, you're going to Thor as well? Well, we've lost twelve people there this year or something like that." And he goes, "Be very careful." And he's a sailor. He owns his own ship. He's been doing fishing forever. He checked the weather report for us to see the swells. He's like, "Oh, okay, these ones will be very safe, most likely." But mm-hmm. He's just worried immediately when we said we're going to Thor as well because people who aren't familiar with the area get lost all the time. Mm, and crazy. as we're yeah. leaving this area, at this point, we thought we we're going to get there so early, we're going to have four or five hours before it gets really good because all the information was like right up towards high tide and after high tide is a really good time. And we were just there after low tide. And it seemed like as it got closer and closer to high side, it was just too nuts. Mm -hmm. The waves came too frequently and they came up too high. And then they never, because they were countering each other and canceling each other out, sometimes you wouldn't get the really cool look that you're looking for as they would never fully recede before another wave came up. Right, right. And so you're trying to get those well shots where as the well is being emptied out and the water's falling in it and giving you some really cool action lines, mm-hmm. if another wave came in and filled it up in the middle of your exposure, you ended up just having a big foggy white blur yeah. in the well. Yeah, exactly. The higher yeah. the tide got, the worse it seemed yeah. to be for what we were trying it to do. It wasn't yeah. as photogenic. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. It was just all sea foam on top of the rocks at that point, mm-hmm. and you didn't really get any uh, of that cool... Uh, waterfall action going Mm -hmm. back down into the the drain yeah you need a little bit of time for everything to drain in between shots to be better yep give you that black rock it's funny we were out there and john showed up and i'm at this point we're having such good good waves and it seems like it's getting worse a little bit we're worried okay there might not be much more time left and i start texting john and i go hey man you know what you better come here i know that you were going to come around this time but if you're on your way already come right away because we might only be out here another 45 minutes to an hour and he writes in his reply look up and i look up behind us and there he is coming (laughs) down the trail luckily he went to hasita head for a sunrise and he was on his way back and he thought Maybe I'll just stop by and see if those guys are there. And he was already walking on the trail down to us when I texted him, so it was perfect timing mm-hmm. for John. Let's take a quick segment and listen to John for a second, and we'll come right back. We're back on the phone with John, and we're talking about Thor's Well. That morning that we were out there, we were having a blast, and we were worried that John wasn't going to make it. Was that your first time coming out to Thor's Well? Have you been there before, John? Actually, I've never been there before, and I was so excited about seeing it. <laughs> My problem was finding it because I drove up and down that road. Really? Could not get Wi-Fi for the maps to show me where it is. I finally guessed, looked over the little, looked down toward the ocean, and I saw four guys with tripods, and I go, (laughs) I'm here. And about that time, the text came in. Perfect. So when you're coming down the hill and looking at what we're shooting, and you know you have us already there in positions, and so you don't have every compositional choice because we're taking some locations. How did you approach this? What were you trying to capture, and why did you choose where you set up your tripod? Well, luckily, the four of you were sort of spread out almost in a semicircle. True. 
that uh, allowed me to have my own areas without any compromise or anything. Well, that's good. I was really lucky there. You know, when I got there, I was worried that this would be a weird place to try and take 12 people to do photography. But with just us five, it felt like it was pretty wide open for you. So then if it was wide open and you could choose anywhere, what made you choose the spot that you have taken? I'm looking at one of your shots right now on Facebook, and I'm trying to decide what were the factors that came into play that they decided, okay, here's where I want to capture. What I tried to do uh, a couple times is on the shot that I put up on Facebook um, has the well in the lower third, mm -hmm. uh, the horizon not two-thirds up, but then right above the horizon, more or less centered, is a cloud. And so I was trying to center that cloud uh -huh. over Thor's well for that one photo. I also moved off to the far left and I was trying to shoot Thor's well with the little cape in the background, but that didn't work out at all. Yeah, what was it about it that didn't work out? I was too far away from Thor's well and it was too flattened really to get a good understanding of what that was. Oh. Here on this one, you can see it's a hole and the water's flowing in. The other way, I was too far away, and it was just a bunch of rocks with water going over them. It just didn't have that impression of being a well. Uh, I understand that. You lost the shape, the recognizable shape and silhouette of Thor's well. Just like with Drew out at Secret Beach, I had this feeling of being a father to everybody, no matter what age and responsible level they were. And so as I'm looking at everyone out here at, at Thor's well and worry about everyone's safety, I see John over there on the edge, further and further from us. And I started thinking, oh, no, oh, no, I'm worried now. And I think it's a paranoia you have when you're bringing other people to a location like this. And it's an, un it's an irrational paranoia. But I went over to John. I'm like, how safe do you feel over here? Do you feel okay as we see crashing waves really close to you? That spot that you were at, even though it didn't turn out for a shot, was kind of an exciting spot to stand. Did you feel nervous at all being out by those waves? So I was shooting there, you know, focusing on my shots and such and everything. <laughs> and then you're almost over on the other side, and he goes, you go, John, are you okay? And I go, yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> so you walk a little bit further toward me, and you go, John, are you okay? And I look at you, and I think, uh, why? I'm nannying and you, you go, now. <laughs> Look behind you, and I turn around, and, oh, there's the ocean bouncing against the rock. Uh, okay, uh, yeah, I'm done here. <laughs> <laughs> the night before at our dinner, the owner of the restaurant is the fisherman his whole life, and he's like, you guys, be careful out there. We lost 13 people this year or something like that. And we're like, oh, my goodness, Thor's well is intense. Everyone's going to die if they don't pay attention. And I see John over there on the edge, and the waves crashing, and I'm thinking, one rogue wave. One rogue wave and the listener adventures are over. <laughs> it's no more. I am not well, responsible enough to bring people out here. <laughs> I remember one wave that got up to your waist. It just soaked your pants. <laughs> you saw that one, right? Yeah. I spent the early part of the morning in that same spot, and it was perfect. Every wave was crashing around me. It was brilliant as everything, when it receded, it came around me. When it came in hard, it went around me. Everything was parting ways from my tripod and myself. And then I go back to that spot when I finally get the filter back from Brendan so that I can do a nice, long, 10-stop filter and do a long exposure. And I set myself up, and I'm there for maybe 30 seconds when a giant wave 
wave, like John's talking about, from waist high, it soaks me. It hits me right in the stomach, and I feel like I'm pushing against a person tackling me in football. And I stood there, stood my ground and just hoped that everything that I had in me, on my in my pockets, on me, my camera gear was all not getting completely drenched because it was all of a sudden I went from not being in a pool to being five feet deep in a pool. It was crazy. I guess I shouldn't say five feet. Waist high for Aaron King's about three feet tall. <laughs> <laughs> so it was hairy out there. And having John being that close to the edge made me extra nervous. And like I said, I was having irrational paranoia with everybody. It's just, if it wasn't me, I felt like it was unsafe. Kind of like how you feel in a car when someone else is driving and their foot is on the brake. You worry extra in contrast to when you have your foot on the brake and you feel completely fine and in control. So... Out here at Thor's Well, what would you say was the greatest challenge to your photography, John? Well, it's so overwhelming. Um, as I think back and look at the photos I did take, I should have paid more attention to the waves as they were coming in to include that uh, action and to make it more. Um, oh. I was focusing on the water draining oh, only, I and I should have been thinking a little bit more um, my exposures might have been a bit long because the draining looks good, but the waves in the background are just a little bit too soft in my taste as I look at this. So I'm, I'm pleased with what I did, and you always learn. And the next time I go out there, I'm going to try a little bit different things. I'm going to try a little bit shorter exposures. Um that's what I'm really going to be focusing on, I guess. The shot that you're sharing on Facebook, if you guys want to see him, check him out on our listener group, John Henry Maurice. You can see his photos there. I can see what you're saying, how everything's soft and going in, and the longer exposure. I noticed when I did long exposures that it kind of made the whole center foggy as all the motion of water was happening, and then it became like this big white spot. And so you're thinking shorter exposure so you can see more of the rock, kind of see them be- instead of having a mist? Yeah, a little little bit more detail in the water I think would probably be a good thing. Mm. Um, at least I want to explore in that direction. Gotcha. Makes sense to me. So what would you say went really well out of Thor's Well? I was really pleased about the time that we arrived. Um, I would not want to get be there during high tide. Oh, oh no. <laughs> wow, right? We were there about halfway in between and we were watching the tide come in. And getting back to the, the, the coastline there, um, you only had uh, a few opportunities to keep your feet dry. I was just wearing tennis shoes. I was not wearing anything that I really wanted to get wet, and that was an issue. <laughs> Oh, boy, was it. I mean, we were in ankle-deep water everywhere unless you could stand on some of the lava, the old lava rock, you know, and stand up above the water. But that was only temporary depending on how the wave came through. It was nuts out there. This is a crazy place that if you guys can get a chance to go to, absolutely do. John, next time we're out there, we've got to make sure you come down with us so that we can try it again together because I I know that I want to get up closer to the well but, I mean, at that time when you arrived, an hour after you arrived, it was something you couldn't even stand that close to the well unless you were okay with completely drenching your camera. Let's go back and talk with Drew, Kirk, and Brendan about Thor's well, and then we'll come back to John talking about Yaquina Head Lighthouse. So John had come in just in the right time, but then he realized he didn't have his filters. And so he hands me his camera and was like, I'll hold on to this, man. I don't want to leave it just on its tripod and hope right. that nothing knocks it over. So let me hold on to it for him. And while he's gone, the like, what? two to seven minutes that he's gone, we start getting hailing on. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's raining and hailing on us. And I'm holding his camera in my coat at this point just because I don't know how well they're se- weather sealed it is. Yeah, his isn't. His wasn't, no. Whether or not it would survive. And so I'm like, I don't want him to get it wet. And then during that time, my hands are out of my coat holding this thing, trying to keep it safe. And Brendan's was trying to capture something with his camera. And we're getting pelted by pebbles of ice and just hard <laughs> rocks. Bam, 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 bam. It was getting brutal. I was actually getting some footage on my phone getting some video that's why and you my out. hands were out and i was getting pelted i had to stop the video recording because it hurt so bad <laughs> and you guys are going to see that in the video when it comes out uh, i didn't even notice i had gloves on and i had a, a fleecy hood <laughs> on my head and well, I, you were set i i didn't get a slicker had, over that i didn't yeah i didn't even notice at all but yeah. it it um there was a time when it started raining, and that's where I held my 7D Mark II up in the rain and was turning it around so it would hopefully rinse some of the salt water out of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's crazy. In this area, Thor's Well, there's a lot of tide pools and cool places that you can explore during the day. Mm-hmm. I think you should come, for the most part, sunset. But sunrise was fantastic. I loved a lot about it i have no regrets being there in the sunset uh sunrise so like brendan was saying let's come back let's do both for two days straight three days straight and really learn what we like more yeah what i what i really remember the most is that before the sun rose and during sunrise i could set my camera to a nice long exposure like eight seconds to get some really flowing good lines and good contrast but um as soon as the light came out i found myself my camera would not yeah. It would blow everything out if I exposed that long. So I'm going to recommend if you go during sunset, bring an ND filter. Yeah. If you can get away with it during sunrise, because if you get there early enough, you can really do those right. long exposures well, without needing hour, it. I think you're good. But mm-hmm. at the same time, even like like the horizon is going to be a lot more lit up and you're pointing your camera that way. So at sunset, right. an ND, I think, Definitely. is probably even more important. Exactly. So leaving Thor's well, after that breakfast, we were thinking, hey, we're coming back here for sunset. So that was great. More, let's see what it's like at sunset. And as we're looking more into all the places we want to get to over breakfast, we realize, ah, oh, man, this is we're not gonna too it. tight. We shouldn't stay here another night. So we ended up taking off, heading north. Yaquina Head Lighthouse, Kirk, that was up by Newport City or Pacific City? Newport. It's just north of Newport. Just north of Newport. Okay. So here we made it up to Newport. We found a hotel. We gave ourselves a nap, and then we went out with John out to Yaquina Head Lighthouse. We have two cars. We're pulling up with about 20 minutes left, and the girl in the booth is like, you know, you really only have about 10 minutes after sunset. And on our board here, sunset's 426, and so you really only have until 436. And that mm-hmm. was just a bummer. And we're like, what? <laughs> it was, but for for the time we were there, I think we did pretty well. Yaquina heads out on a cape. It has this big open peninsula of land, and it kind of gets higher as it goes out. And then they have this little tide pool area off to the left. So you have a compositional choice of way back at the city on the beach looking out at this, or on this rocky tide pool area looking mm-hmm. up at the lighthouse, or what Kirk was talking about really wanting is having that lighthouse and the sun in the same shot. So which one did you want to get? Well, we get there and find out that everything, every pathway that is paved is, you know, free to walk on. But you can't walk on anything else. Grasses, bushes, everything else. 
completely off limits, preserved. It's it's trying to keep the vegetation there. You can't walk anywhere except for the paved areas. Mm -hmm. And we just couldn't get far enough back away from the lighthouse to get it in frame and the sunset. So when you guys were choosing a spot, I know Kirk was up higher. I went down below. Everyone ended up going down below to the tide pools in the end. Mm-hmm. But what was what were some of the thought processes you guys went through as you were scouting your spot for your sunset? Well, first off, I got distracted by the gray whales playing out the right area right. out there. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> that's an awesome distraction. Yeah. So I had my um, let's see, did I have the seventy three hundred on then? Yeah, I think you did. I think I did. That. So I zoomed in as much as I could. And waited for these guys to pop up. And, I mean, it, it was cool to see them. But as far as photographically, no. Nah. Yeah. It's just a little tiny gray hump out of the water. That's it. It's not. It's nothing without <laughs> the profile of the sky behind them, you know. Or, or seeing the flipper come up or something like that. They just weren't doing a whole lot. And so, yeah. or no tail or anything. So, we were out there for 15 minutes looking at these whales, which was cool. Um, but uh, photographically, yeah, I just wasted time doing that and not working on my comp. So <laughs> I ended up going down visiting you guys down on the beach, which was pretty awesome. That beach was cool. That beach was really cool. What's that called? A cobblestone beach? Yeah. Where you, totally you walk is. down there and it's volcanic rock that has been polished to the point where, I mean, it's it, like it walking de- on marbles. Yeah. It yeah. depends on the, on the area of the beach. Some of them, some of those rocks are about baseball size. Yeah. Like yeah. when you first and, walk down, they're and like then huge they're, and they get smaller and smaller. And then they're right? smaller and smaller ones as you get down to where you're on marbles. And it's cool when you walk on them. This the they make a sound like like a kind pool of balls. a ringing, yeah, like a pool ball sound almost. Because yeah, because right. I mean you uh, could like tell they're down. like rock, like hard volcanic rocks <laughs> that have been polished. Kirk, did you have any scouting that you did up at the top, or what was your process of finding a shot? You said, okay, here's where I'm going to plot my tripod and make this sunset work. Well, I've always liked the uh, leading line of the uh, the bluff going out to where the lighthouse sits. Mm. So I walked back up the road that you drive in to get to the lighthouse and uh, took a shot with it, uh, you know, the hillside on the right and then the lighthouse out in the uh, middle of the frame. You went up really far up the road then where you could actually see the hill and the lighthouse? Right. Oh. And and then that puts you far enough back that you get the uh, the ocean and some of the clouds for the sunset off on the left hand side, and uh, since you guys were down on the the cobblestone beach, I figured I'd try something different. Yeah, odd duck. <laughs> when I was there on the on the beach, um, I got some pictures of the seals and the and some silhouettes like like Drew got as well. And um, finding a composition for that lighthouse was really difficult. I ended up um, doing this similar thing like you guys just shooting from the beach up at the lighthouse. Um, I don't think I took any pictures from the path, but I might have shot off a couple um, because I saw Drew doing some. And so I was just like, okay, maybe I'll shoot a couple from here too. And um, But nothing I'm really, really, truly like excited about or, you know. Back to John talking about Yaquina Head Lighthouse. What would you say were some of the things about Yaquina Head Lighthouse that you loved that was perfect for it and that you enjoyed doing your photography there? Is there anything out that stood out from the Yaquina Head Lighthouse for photography? So I have to say that the Oregon coast in November can be a very cloudy place. But you and Brendan and Drew must have brought the sunshine with you because we had some (laughs) 
spectacular weather for this, so it really made a difference. So lucky. Um, my shots of the Aquinas had lighthouse sunsets, um, have a variety of different clouds in them, different colors, and it really adds some interest. And so we were really limited throughout all of that location, and you came down with us to that shore down below. Did you like that spot down there? What did you think about it? Did you get any cool shots down there by the uh, tide pools? I did. That was the best area to shoot. As you know, my first goal was to get the uh, lighthouse in the same shot as the sunset, and I started walking across this grassy area and I got <laughs> told, no, you're in a bad spot, come back. <laughs> and then we explored going up the hill, but the street was in the way. So then we went down and putting those uh, sea stacks around the sunset really made that whole trip worthwhile. Where I got my picture of the composition of the lighthouse was when we were coming out of there. And I, I actually... When I was down there, I took some that I liked okay with a 70 to 200 from the beach of the lighthouse looking up out of the hole that we were in. But then I got um, – when, when we got out of there, I, I f- switched to my 24-millimeter tilt shift. Mm-hmm. And, and then I was doing uh, – where, where you just shift the – you know, you, you shift the lens – to where it it moves from one side to the other and and I I was getting some really nice stuff and that was right when the I mean we were walking out of the beach they they're kind of chasing us out mm-hmm. of the beach area mm-hmm. literally walking behind us shuffling us out babysitting yeah. us out of the beach and and but then they left cuz we were up on the top and but then you know shortly thereafter about 5 minutes later the you know the security guard the hired security guard comes along and uh, Brennan was um, stalling him while I was finishing my exposures. And I, I got a, a, an exposure here, a, a shot that has a corner of the sunset kind of mm-hmm. in it and the lighthouse that I really like. Yeah, it's a great <laughs> shot. And yes, the park rangers were right there saying it's time to leave. <laughs> yeah, they were. But to be honest with you, they understood. And as we would pick up the tripod, work, walk 10 feet, put it back down, click, 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 pick up the tripod, 10 more feet. They were okay with that. They were actually quite nice. They were very nice about it. I mean, they could have yelled at us for being jerks, for constantly stopping, but they just walked slowly. They're either used to it or very patient people. Yes, yeah. So what would you say was the greatest challenge? I mean, obviously, finding a composition, like you described already, was a challenge for all of us. Would you say photographically catching the sunset at this time of year, that lighthouse, what was some of the photographic challenges that you had? The framing is the best one, is, is my best response. Um, framing. Shooting the lighthouse, there's a lot of pictures of the lighthouse. I didn't really find any perspectives that would really pop out. Um, I'm not giving up on that, but not that day. Um, it's frustrating, the rules, and I understand why the rules are there, because people do stupid things. Right. Um, but when we asked why are we le- why, why sunset, and the response was, so people can get off the beach while it's still light, okay, fine. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I get that. Um, I get it. And when it's inside their park boundaries, they have all sorts of legal reasons to be crazy about that. So that makes sense. Yeah. The real tragedy of Yaquina Head was that they're pulling us out right at 426. The sky was yellow. It had nice stuff. But the color 
all of the color came after. As we're going up the steps, it got more and more vibrant mm-hmm. and more and more above us and distance. And by the time we were up at the top of the stairs, we're all at the parking lot getting our cameras, treating our tripods like monopods and just trying to capture something that has the lighthouse in it and the color because the color was just nice and pink salmon Mm -hmm. just filling the sky which would have been a fantastic sunset to have and not have moved away from the tide pools and my other compositions but looking at drew's image that he has up at that level being at eye level with the with the nice lighthouse is really cool looking Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. even though we had to move i think it put him in that position to get that shot and that's an awesome shot so Let's quickly go into Aquina Bridge because the next morning in, in uh, Newport, right? This is the city of Newport? Yes. Brendan and I went to a movie that night. We enjoyed having seen a crappy Justice League movie. <laughs> nice dinner. <laughs> and Oh, a fantastic <laughs> dinner. And then the next morning, we wanted to keep it simple because we had done so much. We've been waking up so early, mm-hmm. so we wanted to not go too far. So we just decided, hey, right here, this is a really cool bridge. We've already captured it that night out there before our dinner. Mm-hmm, Let's try mm-hmm. it in the morning. And so with your guys' positioning, I had to go back because I, oh, John, I'm sorry. I forgot to tell him when we were going to leave. And so when he woke up that morning, he wondered, oh, what time did they leave and where were they going? He knew we were going, but not what time. I ended up giving him notification once we were already there. And so I missed, I messed up. He came in late, so I booked it out to the front to meet up with him and get him into position and not make it so that he was alone on being late. And so you guys, you guys all went set up down the ways so you can capture the 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 bridge between you and the sunrise. Mm-hmm. So you guys tell me how that composition went because I had a completely different experience. Mm, I'm looking at Drew's picture, so I think he should start. It's pretty pretty awesome. I loved it. I mean, you're dealing with, you know, I mean, this is at a bridge over the river, but it's close enough to the ocean that you're still dealing with tides for sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they started moving on us. But I, we, we went out um, on the ocean side of the bridge shooting back towards the sunset, and then you get a silhouette of the bridge. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and. Truthfully, that was so colorful. Mm-hmm. It was amazing color that morning. And the, yeah, the clouds were really in, good. in the right spot. And because of the way we were shooting towards the sunset, you you had a little bit of a mirroring effect on the water um, right. as as well. And and it was it was pretty dark when when we got there still. Mm-hmm. And so we really got we got that transition from blue hour through before the sun even came up. And then I got some great pictures with the sun up. But one thing I really liked is I was able to get out in the river on the rocks that were off of mm. the off the shore a little bit to where, you you know, I mean, I, I had water coming around my feet a bit and stuff <laughs> as I was standing on rocks out in the water. And so, um, I, you know, I'm shooting over water um, to, to get the shot. I, I, I had a lot of fun that morning. And I, the, the pictures – are so colorful um, that it it almost in a way it's like almost too colorful on some of them. Really <laughs> yeah, right. yeah that 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 pre sunrise morning glow can be so bright and intense sometimes, and we really lucked out that day. And I remember getting some really cool shots of um, rocks, really cool rocks in the foreground, yeah. and some puddles reflecting, and just lots of cool stuff in that area. It's just really fun to shoot. It's a great spot. The the way the the color set up, it was kind of strange because you get some part of the sun. You know, I mean, you're seeing 
clouds as you're shooting towards the bridge, you're seeing clouds right around where the sun is going to come up mm-hmm. and you're seeing clouds that are getting the reflection kind of across the sky from it. And so right. you've got orange and red and pink and dark blues in, in the same frame. And it, it, it's, it, it looks really cool, but it's really kind of different than yeah, what you normally yeah. see for like a sunset or something where you just get a, a gradual change from, from one, one set of colors here. into the yeah. other. And the, here, yeah. Here you've got, you know, uh, uh, some really different colors because you're seeing um, what, you know, the other side of the sky basically from where the sun's rising at the same time. It's all in the same frame. I, I it's use rare that, to get my, that rainbow yeah. effect from the yeah. sky. Yeah. So I, I use my uh, my 24 millimeter tilt shift for a lot of this and then my 16 to 35. Did you create um, your panorama well. just by tilting right and left? Yeah. Awesome. I did, well, not tilting, shifting. So you, oh, I'm sorry. Th- yeah, it's a difference it, between tilt and shift on the actual lens. Well, yeah, it, w- the shifting is where you actually, you know, it, you you move and it changes your your uh, perspective. It works like a bellows on a on a old style, um, you know, film like medium or large format camera okay. where the bellows moves and and that's what the shift works like. The tilt will actually change your plane of focus. Oh, and, and you don't, okay. you, I mean, a lot of times, like there are a lot of companies that do tilt lenses and don't do shifts. There's actually even, mm-hmm. you can buy this little adapter for mirrorless cameras where you can take your, it's not just an a, a adapter that adapts the mirrorless fac, factor in there. It's about $130 and you can turn an old lens into a shift lens. Oh, right cool. and so so you you get this little adapter that that fills that space between the camera body and the lens and you can shift along the axis of it and then you can make it so that you get in killer panoramas with, yeah. oh, that's yeah. with awesome. one of those for you know so so literally if you want to do this i think they're keep keep on or something is the is the brand you can buy for a mirrorless camera you can buy one of those for 130 dollars you can buy it like a you know, a 24 millimeter, nice, you know, um, OM mount or M mount Olympus lens or, or a Pentax or something like that for yeah. another hundred bucks for, you know, research, which one's nice. All of a sudden now you've got a nice shifting panorama lens mm-hmm. that, you know, for, for 200 bucks. Right. So, yeah. Right on. In that morning, Drew, or uh, Kirk, what did you go through? Uh, well, like they were saying, the clouds were just amazing that morning. It was one of those uh, neon uh, uh, purple uh, clouds with a nice blue uh, sky behind it. And uh, they're talking about the bridge over Yaquina Bay, and it's not just any kind of bridge. I mean, it's it's a giant uh, span across from one side of the bay to the other side, and Highway 101 goes across the bridge. But the cool thing about the bridge is it's a uh, Art Deco design. So it's got these pairs of spires on the north and the south side on each side of the arch. Mm-hmm. And it gives it a very distinctive look. It's it's a very unique-looking bridge and very cool bridge. And it's hard to get a bad angle on that bridge. So <laughs> if you right. go to Newport, definitely set some time uh, aside to take some pictures of the bridge there. 
It is really fascinating. With my shot, I was on the other side of the bridge. Because I was later to the morning trying to get John in position, I gave him a choice of where he wanted to go, but I decided I was going to stay on this other side of the bridge and let the sunrise light hit the bridge so that I can get some detailed shots of the Art Deco. Um, actually, what do you call them? Those two tall towers on each side of the columns. bridge. Yeah. Columns, yeah. Towers, columns. The columns were just really, really neat and seeing that on there. So I was trying different times of the morning to see which light I liked. And I was waiting for the sun mostly to get that golden light on it and just trying to find something in the foreground with pylons and old pylons and other rocks that could be interesting for it. So it was just a great golden hour light that I waited for. And it's just a beautiful bridge. Loved it. Mm-hmm. Let's go ahead and bring in Kyle Kephart and John and hear from them about the bridge. And then we'll take our first break of the podcast and be right back. Hey, now we're talking with Kyle Kephart, guys. And we were just over there with Drew, Kirk, and Brendan. And we were talking about our chance over there at the Aquina Bridge that morning where we had John Henry Maurice with us. And then, Kyle, you joined us. But you joined us with kind of a, sla- a sacrifice to join us, let's just say. What what, yeah. what time did you leave to join? I left at 3.30 that morning. I got up <laughs> out of bed and um, started driving through the night to get get over there in time. Um, oh, so it was about a two and a half hour drive. From where? Where do you live? Uh, I'm just south of Portland. So, so south uh, of Portland, you, know that, you knew we were going to be out there and it's a two and a half hour drive to join us at Newport? Yeah. Oh my gosh. And it was so awesome of you to come out there. Unfortunately, you came out in a morning where we weren't at Thor's Well. We weren't at Cannon Beach yet. We weren't at other places that were just, I would say, more magnificent than the Aquina Bay Bridge. But the Aquina Bay Bridge is pretty awesome. So tell us a little bit about where you set up, why you set up where you set up and got your composition. What were some of the thoughts going through your mind setting up your composition that morning? Well, I remember um, meeting up with Rendon and uh, just walking out to the rest of the group. And uh, they were all kind of set up, shooting a foreground, and I thought I'd kind of set up, try and capture what they were capturing, seeing what they were going for, because I'd never actually shot the bridge from that angle before. So then in that kind of a situation, you have some great photography. We've been following you for a long time, and you were lucky enough to be in our group, and so we had a chance to see more of your photography. You have a great eye, so when you get in a situation like that where you've never been there, and you haven't previously scouted it probably... What did you do to find your composition? I'm not going to lie. I was struggling. (laughs) I was struggling a lot. Um, And quite honestly, I think the best composition that I got of that area was just the one with the panoramic that I shot right when I got there with with my Nikon and the longer lens to capture the detail of the bridge. Um, I was trying to go for a reflection shot of the bridge, but it just didn't quite work out unfortunately. Uh, so were you getting reflection in the water over the sand or in the water further where maybe it would just smooth out with uh, a long exposure? How did how did you try and get the reflection? I was trying for a little bit of both, but uh, it just wasn't working out. I, I don't know if I wasn't getting close enough with the lens and the camera or I just wasn't close enough to the bridge. Something wasn't working quite with the composition there, but in the end, I think I got a nice composition enough where uh, it was kind of smoother foreground with the detail and the kind of moss on the rocks mm-hmm. as well as the bridge, the main part of the bridge uh, framing the, the most amount of color in the sky from that morning. So oh, man. I got two two shots from there. Well, that's awesome. So you said a few challenges that happened in your photography. What was something that went really well? It was really easy to take the photos. Um, <laughs> 
even yeah. though I was a little cold. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. Um, that's right. We got to talk about that. So yeah, then... <laughs> uh, could have been a little bit more prepared for the weather out there. Um, Maybe we shouldn't even wait. Let's just talk about it right here. So, <laughs> so Kyle shows up. He's done well going to bed early. He's driven all the way out there to us. He can't wait to join us. But was it just warmer where you were, or were you expecting it to be warmer? Because you showed up wearing, uh, was it shorts? It wasn't shorts. No, was I, just... was, I was wearing pants, but they were um, kind of summer pants. <laughs> and then I had thin sockless shoes or something. Yeah, I was wearing Vans um, to go to the beach. Um, I was, it, was, it looked like I was going to the beach in summer. I mean, the yeah. Oregon coast isn't known for being warm ever, but um, I was definitely not 100% prepared. I made sure I was ready the next day. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, and it's a good thing you did because Cannon Beach was crazy windy. So when he's saying goodbye to us, he is blue-lipped chattering chin and we're thinking oh, dude we got to stop talking to him we just got to let him get in his car and warm up <laughs> so let's go ahead and jump away from kyle right now go back to the guys listen to us talk about other parts of the trip and then we'll return back with kyle when we're at cannon beach what were some of the things that went through your mind what was your process for finding your composition i brought the wrong lens i brought oh. too wide of a lens i wanted to have the main arch of the bridge more prominent in my photographs so I think that's what I could have done better. So definitely a challenge there of having the wrong equipment because you wished in this in the situation you wished you had a more of a zoomed in look. Correct. So then knowing that you had only a Y, did you go for a pano or is this one frame? I did this as one frame. Um, the left part of the bridge is much more prominent than I wish. Oh. Um, I did do a panel, but I didn't put it up here. Um, the panel was pretty good, but um, there weren't enough clouds off to the west to that were lit up, so it's only average. Yeah, it's one of those shots that turned out well, but it was not a portfolio piece for any of us, I don't think. Mm -hmm. So this morning, it's really dark. You're trying to capture a foreground, or did you just skip on the foreground and stick with maybe uh, the lines? What were you trying to capture as a foreground, if anything at all? Not too much. Um, I was a little... Um, Quickly, I had to set up quickly to get the light before it became too pale. Um, as I sit here and look at the uh, bridge, what I would probably do is move closer to the waterline to get some of the reflections there. Awesome. Okay, we'll go back to Aaron, Drew, Kirk, and Brendan, and we'll come back to Cape Kawanda with John. Welcome back to the Photog Adventures podcast. We are now left the area of Yaquina Head and Newport, and we've gone north even further on the Oregon coast, and we've gone to a place that was guaranteed we were going to be on this trip, Cape Kowanda. It's the place that's kind of dangerous, and a lot of people die out here because at certain times of the year, the water's splashing up. In my experience of being there that one time, I could see where people could fall and hurt themselves, but I never yeah. felt like the waves were at any danger of reaching me from any of those positions we were at because we were so high up. Yeah, I think most of the problem happens in the bowl area where the, they go over the um, the guardrail area into like the, you know, you're taking your life in your own yeah. hands it's area. Yeah, it's permitted to go, but there's heavy wording of mm -hmm. you. this is your fault if anything happens. Yeah, you're risking your life going over this rail. <laughs> and so, of course, we did. And um, going down into the – because we were lucky to be there in another situation where it was low tide and low swells. 
but I could see very easily from where I went because I, I don't think anybody else came with me except for Kurt. Um, yeah, Kurt came went with me down for one, there. Well, for one yeah, part. I went halfway down and went uh, halfway, yeah. headed out after that. But uh, yeah, that that bowl is where the uh, the waves will come in and and uh, it'll wash up into this um, sandstone hemi semicircular uh, sandstone bowl. And the waves get up in there, and then they just swirl around and wash anything in it down into the ocean, just like a giant toilet bowl. <laughs> and uh, several people a year get washed into the sea there, so it's it's and, and definitely this, not a, a safe place to be. The sea there is not a place you want to get washed into. It, no, it's, it's violent, yeah. man. It, it's, it's like the the <laughs> the surf gets pinched between two different opposing um, cliff sides. And, and as it refracts off of one of them, it changes the direction of, of the waves. And so as the waves in one spot start hitting the wall, they're, they're coming back as these other waves that have hit the other um, cliff side start coming at an angle towards them. And you get some incredible wave photography that you can get down in there where where these waves are colliding with each other and doing these amazing twists and light coming through them. I mean it's just beautiful but it yeah I, I mean if you get washed in there you just kiss it goodbye yeah yeah and there's there's no beach to get yourself back onto it's no. it's just a drop Cliff off side. down into yeah. the ocean so it was very apparent and very obvious to me that if this was higher tide and swells I would not be down there. It was it was obvious that that's not where the water down comes. Where you were, I went all the way down. Yeah, to okay. where the he rock. Was right on the. I was right on the water lip. edge, basically. So what I was trying to do is get what Drew was saying. I was trying to get those those water splashing into each other and creating these awesome wave curls. And and uh, I didn't have the seventy the three hundred. We had this turned is the it one in. Time you, this is the oh, one time I really needed it, and we turned it in the night in. before. This was Saturday. We had to return it on Friday, oh, and so it was we didn't so have just it. like so. I just. <laughs> Put my 50 on there and did the best I could, and uh, I still had a lot of fun, man. I was really enjoying it. And then when the sun oh, ducked behind the clouds. Yeah, let's not oh. go into the sunset yeah. quite yet. Let's still tell the story about the well, location. This is golden hour, so the location was awesome. And then after golden hour happened, I booked it back up to meet with you guys up on top of that rock. Right, right. Let's go into yeah. that here in a second. So just re- I mean, I'm thinking about Cape Kiwanda, and I've seen all the information about it. It's always talked about how dangerous and dangerous mm-hmm, and dangerous mm-hmm. it is. I kind of pictured the entire place to be the bowl. I, I thought oh, that's how yeah. everything was. You go up there. When you first arrive, you see at the end of this long beach, it just goes straight up, and it's a sandy hill. It's like a ski slope of sand. And then on the other, on the left side, the water side of that ski slope of sand are these big obvious uh posts that are keeping you out with metal and there's these metal um long cables that are making a fence and it's like don't go past here it's dangerous unless you're willing to risk your own life so i'm picturing the whole bowl being dangerous and over that fence is all going to be bowl and all going to be dangerous and you know it's actually not it's this (laughs) really high sandstone rock formation that sandstone goes all the way down to the water and if you go apparently down where brendan is you're in that dangerous bowl that's where you're Mm going to have risk but there's a lot of locations that are really photogenic where you have really cool trees growing in the top or you can go further up and hike up another ridge and go out up over the sandstone area Mm -hmm. and it can be just 
a thousand different options of a photo- of a location for taking the capturing the sunset or sunrise up there, and I was expecting it a little. I was com- I was expecting a completely different location than that. With mm-hmm. that part, I think if you're a normal, healthy adult, I think you're fine. I mean, just With fine that in that area. that part being what were you mean? I, well, well, when we went over the over the fence where it says that you know here's your warning. Mm-hmm. I think if you're a normal, healthy adult that's not inebriated. You're fine. I mean, really, in almost all of that area, if if you have kids with you, there's no way I'd take them over there. No, I mean, you're no. standing on the edges of ledges and things like that that have big drops. Two hundred drops. If you're not, I mean, I wouldn't take my grandma over there either. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or my parents even. <laughs> I it's it's if you're a normal, healthy adult. I think you're fine over mm-hmm. there, and mm-hmm. and no danger at all if you're if you're smart about it. If if um, you know, if if you're if you've got kids with you, don't go there. If you've got uh, old people with you, don't go there. If you've mm-hmm. had too much to drink, don't go there. Oh right. So, um, I I we had a ton of fun over there. Kurt and I, we I carried the drone all the way up there. Yeah, you and, were awesome to do that. And yeah. uh, and, and it was really fun. But I I didn't. So I've got a Part 107 license, and when you have a Part 107, you are not. Um, limited quite the same way by the airspace. However, if you don't prepare in advance and unlock the airspace that you need to, because I, you know, I'm allowed to fly in this airspace because it's it's too close to an airport, but it's not in uh, airspace that I'm not allowed to fly in. But I didn't unlock it, and so we <laughs> were like, "Ah, oh, we we can't even get the drone off the ground, you know, because it's locked out." And then we we're looking. But we were at right it. on the edge we, of the, we the line there. Yeah, we're so on the edge. We walk further out on the little peninsula, like another what was another fifty or hundred feet, and, and something we, like that. Yeah, and it was like fine. Then we could launch it, and <laughs> and I, you know, I checked all the rules in advance about flying in parks and different things. And, and Oregon's fine with you flying up in, in this area. Um, there are some up in the gorge where you can't fly and some areas in the gorge you can fly in the winter, but you can't fly in the summer. Mm-hmm. Ah. Mm-hmm. And so it, but, but one of my favorite shots and I just took my little Phantom four professional here. I wish I had my new drone that's coming instead and next time we go what we will but um is is there is a spot where you used to be able to go over there and um and there was a trail that went over there but the trail's been washed out apparently it was more of an earth trail on the sandstone and enough waves and waterfall washed it out and so you have no safe place to go across possible to get there gear but there's wow. th- so I got the shot from the drone that right now nobody can get because <laughs> we flew the drone over there and and it has a a shot where the sun is reflecting off the waves through at, at sunset through a hole in the rock yeah, and it's really pretty cool arch right there yeah. yeah and and so we we had fun doing that and that that was right before the the sky just exploded oh it's so cool mm-hmm. that you had the drone yeah. so you can get out there when i was up at the spot that i chose there was a guy who showed up it was josh oh no sorry it was brian 
Brian showed up and he was asking everybody, do you guys know if that pathway is still there? Is there another pathway? And everyone, everyone else weren't sure of the spot that he was saying or that they had heard that the pathway washed out. So the one pathway Brian was planning, he was waiting for November specifically oh. so he could get here, come to the spot, use that pathway and get out to that little hole like a giant Man, like six, seven foot tall peephole or something. I'm picturing something bigger. I bet that's 40 feet tall. Oh, I think that's 40 yeah, feet. Yeah, it looked like a big window. Okay, so like 40 feet tall people. the sun right through the middle, right? That's right what he wanted. through it and yeah. have the sun line up just right. And this is the time of year or early in the spring. It's time of year you could mm-hmm. do that where the mm-hmm. sun's in position. And he got so unlucky. He didn't bring any repelling gear or anything to help him do it safely. All he has mm. to do is fly over there, man. <laughs> Just got to fly your drone. Yeah. Yep. So yep. as I'm going through this area and finding my location, I come out to the spot where the famous duck bill or whatever they called that. Ah, what's rock. it called? The uh, duck, rock. duck duck rock? Yeah, I think it was duck rock. Yeah. Duck rock. The famous duck rock that infamously got pushed over by a couple of fools, and so it was ruined. So I'm seeing the aftermath and debris of that, mm. seeing how this must be awesome in the earlier in the year where the sunlight's mm-hmm. coming through here. But it's all looking almost virtually north. And so I wasn't going to be that. That wasn't going to be my position for a shot. So I just kept on climbing through and passing beautiful shots, just trying to scout the entire area. Mm-hmm. And I came across the high point that looks out over towards the sunset. There's a sea stack out in the distance, and there's this kind of curved bowl again that has more rock on the left that kind of points at the sea stack, and the sun was going right across the sea stack, and you could tell it was going to set just to the right of it. And so I'm thinking, man, this could be perfect. And I get up to this position, and I start looking at it, thinking, okay, here's where I'm going to bring my camera gear out and check it out. I'm going to pull my camera, put my Tamron on, and use the Tamron and see through the viewfinder how this looks to see if this composition turns out strong. And immediately I put my body cap from my Canon 6D on my bag so that I can connect my Tamron lens. And I just shuffled my knee a little bit wrong and bumped my bag and off comes my camera body, the cap that's the camera body cap, that thin little disc. It hits the rock next to it and rolls. I just missed grabbing it. And I'm like, oh, well, I'll just catch it. Wait, no, I can't. It's bounce, 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 rolls completely like a tire down the hill, (laughs) hits another bounce, another bounce. It goes over the big ledge and I kind of run without jumping over it myself to see where it goes from that point. And I could tell it's over. Ocean. It just goes clank, clank, clank. <laughs> Huge 16-foot jump and bloom. It's in the water. And a guy that I had no idea was even up there pokes his head up above the rock and goes, what was that? He thought it was a lens or something important. I'm oh. like, ah, oh, don't worry. It was just my body cap. My Canon 60 body cap went away. So I guess that's that. And he goes, dude, I have an extra one. Are you serious? You carry an extra That's... body cap with you? I have Canon. What do you have? He's like, I got a Canon. Let's do it. I'm like, That's a photographer. <laughs> you serious? <laughs> and so Casey Cook, man, thank you so much. I can't believe that you not only had Canon. You were the only other person there with me at the time. You had a Canon camera. You had a body cap that was extra. And you were willing to just give it to me because I thought, now it's going to sit in this bag I don't have space in my bag in this situation to actually keep a lens on it. Mm. And so I didn't have any way of covering up my sensor. It's just been open to the I, elements. I call that over-preparedness right there. Having two camera body right, caps? Right, right. Two camera <laughs> body caps in one. So Casey Cook, guys, I mm. told him that the way I'd pay him back is i tell you guys about him. Go follow him on Instagram at, at, case, at 
Okay, I'm sorry, Casey. Go to follow him at, at Cook Casey, and you can go to his website at CaseyCookPhotography.com. He's awesome. He has some good stuff. He was out there with his girlfriend, fiance, wife. I wasn't sure which she was. Could have just been his sister. No, I'm pretty sure it wasn't his sister. He, he spells Cook <laughs> with an E. Yeah, C O O K E. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, Cook Casey. C O O K E. K C C A S E Y. We'll put it in the show notes so you guys can check out his stuff. But, man, big thank you to you. I felt so stupid when I watched that go. One, I littered it just into the ocean and lost my body count. I felt so (laughs) foolish. So I at this position, I realized I had my composition. I knew I was set up for sunset. What was it like for you guys? Because you guys were still behind me and even flying the drone. What was it that made you choose where you were going to be for the actual sunset? We just wanted to copy you. Well, we it ended up you, up you guys showed up there. But <laughs> what was it that made you guys not choose other spots versus there? How did it go? I, I think, think we were drawn to the uh, the colors of the sunset, and we just started walking west. And as soon as we got to the edge of the cliff, we stopped. Yeah, yeah couldn't go much. any further. <laughs> was there nothing else that seemed like a great foreground for the sunset? No, because, it, I mean, you had to hike up a, a sandstone hill to the overlooking place where you were, and that was in the way of, uh, of your composition if you're behind it. Mm-hmm. So just you were in the shadow? Yeah, you had to sun. get up there. Yeah. Um, and, and then and then there was, along that ridge, there you know, there are a lot of places you could choose along that ridge and adjust your composition a little bit relative to the to the rocks and things that were down below. But, yeah. I mean, it, it was kind of the no-brainer place to do it unless you had a drone. <laughs> no, so it, and I was down at the bowl at the time, and I looked up after shooting like probably 300 images of waves. I mean, I was just like, okay, I'm done. I got to but, see but what everybody else is doing. You, you got to talk about what the sun started doing to those waves. Oh, yeah, exactly. So, I mean <laughs> – I was out there getting wave shots, and then as soon as the sun peaked down, like I mentioned just earlier, it just peaked down underneath a thick layer of clouds. Finally, just between the clouds and the horizon of the way of the ocean, direct light. It's getting direct golden hour pink light hitting the top of the of the foam that would crest and just these two waves would collide and create this big fan and had pink light shining right on them. I was just like, and I was just like, oh, this is amazing. So I took a hundred more shots of that, (laughs) and then when that was done, I'm just like. Wait a minute, and I was in total shadow. I mean, I was basically that begets the left of me was just a giant cliff wall. I was down there in the bowl, facing like northwest, and to the southwest was the sunset. And so I start packing my stuff up, hike up. up the trail, I look up at the sky, and it's just on fire. And I'm like, oh yeah. Ah! And I had one of those Homer Simpsons, <laughs> ah! and I just had to book it up the trail as fast as I can. I'm like, ah, ah. and then. You know, I see you guys all silhouettes up there, and it's like, okay, this is gonna be amazing. I gotta hurry. I gotta hurry. <laughs> I was so glad you made it too, because Kirk made it first. Then I saw Drew show up, and I was like, man, Brendan might be missing this amazing Epic. best sunset, best sunset of the week. Yeah, he might be missing it from where. And he's I barely at. got there in time to get some really cool shots. So I was really <laughs> happy with that. So Kirk, you set up just a little bit above me. What did you do with your foreground? Um, I just got kind of the, uh, the rocks at the end of the, the Cape in the foreground. So it's, it's mostly ocean and the, uh, you know, horizons, you know, center of the frame with the, the sea stack way out there and, you know, clouds in the top half of the frame. And, uh, it was an amazing sunset. It was by far the best, uh, sunset we had on the trip. Absolutely. No doubt. 
Drew, you were further over to the left. That would have put you kind of over the leading line that I was using to curve back in towards the sunset. Mm -hmm. Did you get a straight line out of it or what were you focusing on? You know, I, I haven't spent enough time developing these mm. yet. Um, but, but I mean, one, uh, understand we were kind of the last group that got up there. And so, so yeah. I think, mm -hmm. I think your spot was better than mine, but I didn't, you know, I didn't get the, the option of choosing your spot because it was full. And so we were over a little bit further than I would have liked to have been. That's a major point we should emphasize right now is that, guys, if you're going to get to a spot that's this popular, unlike normal advice where it's like, uh, don't put your tripod in one place and stay there the whole time. This is kind mm. of the opposite. It's you like, want to get your comp before the sun sets. Yeah. Get, yep. get it set up and make sure that you're not competing because – you see what's cool. You get up there and find out there's seven other photographers there and they blocked you <laughs> out and you have to go to the far left or the far right. Sometimes that does ruin your and, chance. And I'm mm. super good with that because I got to fly the drone and get the picture of the <laughs> of the keyhole. You know what I mean? Right, and so, right. So that's what I was doing that had got me up there late. And I, I'm, I'm fine with that. <laughs> but it, I, th I think your composition was a little stronger because you were over, you know, to, to the right a little bit further. So yeah. I, I, I it still was amazing. I, I just had such a good time up there and, and I've developed a few of them. I've got a few more to go. Um, but I, saw, I had a blast. I saw the composition that Casey and one of the other guys had gotten on Instagram and man, they had this one, one of, one of the other guys there had got this little rock inside. That a was bowl. Josh. I wanted to bring it up. Keep describing while oh, I pull man, it up. It was amazing. And I saw it on Instagram and I was like, Hey, we were just there. Oh, that's the guy that was there. And, his composition was so cool because in the foreground was this very interesting um, shape going on because this rock had sat there and was slowly like bowling out the sandstone below uh -huh. it. And it was just a, such a cool foreground to have as that rock curved, you know, and then the bigger structure curved around and led you into the sea stack and the sunset. It was a gorgeous shot. And I was just like, man props man that was awesome absolutely awesome, props to josh josh riggs you can find him on instagram josh riggs photography and i felt the same jealousy the thing is is that i found a spot that i loved and i thought i'm gonna do this shot but there were other options and the one weakness in my shot was that my foreground was a large vista foreground mm -hmm. yeah. it wasn't mm -hmm. an intimate close object that led into a nice vista foreground right, that led right. into the sunset right. and as i lost my lens cap there that kind of discombobulated me and i wasn't looking all the way to my far right and that's where josh just ended up as he came in i already had brian right next to me and rafa right next to him and then josh just had to settle i would say with quotation marks on this far comp and i'm showing it at least to drew oh, so you could see how gorgeous. there's this one tiny yeah. rock that's wow. probably it's, like the size of a head the like color's a skull, awesome too but it's yeah. colored white and red and it's sitting there loosely it looks like he almost brought this rock with him it's like yeah yeah I'll that's what he did <laughs> bring this awesome rock and put it down he, in position. He brought it up in a backpack. So he's got this little landing area for it, the rock right there that he's focused on nicely, and then the rocks kind of lead out to the sunset night, and it really puts cool. the sea stack in the center of his frame a little bit more than maybe I would have wanted. But the thing is, it turned out amazing, and I kind of like his shot more than mine for now. 
if I can luminosity mask the Je- the Jesus out of it and make it look awesome, yeah. and maybe I'll love my foreground because right now it's like this mm. overblown color mess to try to get both in there in one mm. image. Mm. If my bracketing turns out and I like what's happening in my rocks, I'll be okay with my shot compared to Josh's. But Josh, I hope you listen to the podcast still and you hear this because Josh – Love this shot. Yeah, it's fantastic. Fantastic work. Yeah, I, it was it was an amazing experience. When we came down out of there, I I do want to mention uh, that Kirk and I took the cameras and went out. When it, I mean, it was like dark. Oh yeah, your dark, beach dark. Side and we, we we had climbed down off of all that. Went came back down the the ski hill that's made out of sand that's there, and then we got <laughs> back to the beach, and it was. It was dark, but we were getting that afterglow mm-hmm. where it was just the tail end of the afterglow, but there was a lot of color in the sky still, yeah. but it was really dark. And it, it took like like pretty long exposures to, to be able to pick this last shot out. But, you know, the, there, the sand was all wet and it was reflective. It was really it the was pretty cool. The afterglow was still going crazy strong. And, and there, mm-hmm. was a, there were a couple boats pulled up on the on the beach that we got to use I as a foreground element. Those. They were yeah. out there. Uh, it, so dark. it was dark, but it um, was dark. I just have pretty much the, the sea stack with the, uh, you know, the clouds and the stars are starting to come out and ooh. the, uh, the tide must've been going out cause the, uh, beach was just soaked with water still. I mean, <laughs> you get a nice reflection of the, uh, the clouds and the, the sky glow. I mean, it's this, uh, scarlet on the horizon and then it just kind of fades into dark blue at the top of the frame and it was definitely worth uh hanging around for if we didn't have john back at the restaurant waiting for us brendan and i would have hung out with you guys too but we felt right we we didn't want to get john John. saving a spot for us yeah uh, yeah i think we felt i think that was a problem and a difficulty the whole week is that we had obligations to meet other people. We had obligations to get to certain places. Yep. And we ended up having to leave almost every spot sooner than we wanted to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and you know, Kirk and I were over there sitting on the on the beach taking these, and we're going, yeah, they had to leave early because they have different obligations, and we don't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> we actually said that, right, as we were sitting there because we, we were waiting for these long exposures, you know, because, I mean, it, it was really dark at that point. And there I am thinking, like, as a parent, I'm waiting in the vehicle because I don't want to make them bring all their gear into the restaurant to come get the key. And I had no – we hadn't organized some plan of hiding the key in the vehicle, so I just kind of waited is. for them to show up. And and turned out John had his lights on something inside his uh, vehicle, so he came out and he hung out with me in the car and talked. We ended up ditching Brendan in the restaurant alone. <laughs> yes, and I was just sitting there. I'm just like, they're gonna be here. And this little did he know, sometime. he had just dropped his memory card somewhere in oh, that restaurant. Don't even yeah. keep bringing that up. And it keeps that's hurting. The evening, my memory card went lost. And uh, <laughs> see, this is it. Oh, he's right pulled here. up the image there right is. now. Oh, yes. And you that can see that great. the major part of the rock of the Cape Kiwana on the right is taking up most of the frame, has a reflection in the water that's on the sand on the right, and then the rest of the frame is sunset, light, afterglow light, silhouetted sea stack, and then those are the boats huh, in the middle. Yeah, and, and I think that Kirk, you know, he, he had a better sensor with the Sony sensor. He mm. was picking up stars up here. And wow. that I didn't That's, get. I thought maybe it was a few more minutes after this shot. You guys seem to be gone for a while, but were you just picking up stars through the clouds? 
Oh yeah, the the oh. clouds are cleared off on the uh, the right hand side or the left hand side and above the sea mm. stack, and there's a good three or four stars that were starting to show up. Uh, you know, even ten minutes before we finished taking pictures, and uh, Drew and I both uh, commented to each other about you know you gotta to have a real photog adventure. You gotta stay out late and kind of piss off everyone else in your group because. <laughs> I mean, that's when all the good photog action is. You know, ask my wife. She'll Mm -hmm. tell you I'm always, you know, half an hour later than what I say I'm going to be when uh, (laughs) I say, oh, yeah, I'll be right there. And she says, right, and she heads back to the car. And then you turn around and uh, you're like, oh, yep. Yeah, and then I take another (laughs) 30 minutes worth of pictures. So So I want to just mention something. We we had since um, last podcast we would mentioned Drew's – Great idea to put your name and number on your memory cards. So if you lose them, it's easy for someone to contact you and get back with them. The next day when I realized, um, I mean, I realized it was it was missing that night. And that next day I, um, I made a couple calls to the three places we were at that area and just said, hey, here's what I lost. Here's my phone, my name and phone number. Please contact me if it shows up. And, you know, I never heard anything. Yeah. Um, this last Sunday, I said, oh, last-ditch effort, Hail Mary. I went on Google. I copied the image of the memory card, exactly what it was, C4 gig, Lexar, black and silver, pasted into an email, found each of the um, websites for each place, like the, 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 the cafe that we had to snack yeah. at, the this RV is- park place that I might have, because I took my wallet out to pay for things. I thought maybe it fallen out, and at three places it could have fallen mm. out. Are so- you taking me on a story ride that's going to end in good news? Maybe you just listen to my story. So I emailed the three companies with info at, you know, the Pelican Pub, the, you know, Espresso Place or whatever, and sent it off as a Hail Mary. Hey, here's my name. Here's my number. You know, contact me if anything turns up. The next day I get a phone call. This lady says, hey, this is Rachel from the Pelican Pub. Please call me. I got your email. Uh I'm like, okay, what does that mean? Like, so I was totally busy. Three hours later, I finally got around to calling her, called the place. They transferred over to her. She said, yeah, I got your email, but to memory card, um, we have one of these in our lost and found. Really? She says, yeah, it's in a clear plastic case. I didn't mention that in the email at all. Yeah. And I'm like, yes, you have it? She's like, yeah. She's like, all right. She's like, you just have to send me an email and tell me where. You just have to send (laughs) me an email and tell me where to, um, you know, where to send it. And uh, we can pop it in the mail for you. Holy so I cow. sent her out the email, and this morning she says, hey, it's in the mail. It's coming back to You're you. You're kidding. You haven't told us at all. No You've been waiting for this I moment. Been, I've been holding this in for the last two days because I wanted to wait for this podcast. <laughs> no well, Okay, we, You've let us go through an entire podcast. <laughs> right, I've been feeling sick the whole time. There. Going, oh, my gosh. Oh I don't even want to bring it up. Oh, my gosh. So I'm Seriously. getting my card back. You're having a Christmas miracle. In like a day or two, I'll probably have it. Yeah. Holy cow. <laughs> no no yeah, way yeah it means and i told great. you at dinner i'm just like you know what i lost it but i have i'm like i'm at peace i think i'm probably gonna i'll, I'll eventually find it i'm, I'm not worried <laughs> it's sure true. enough man it's, it's uh, coming back oh my gosh and the fact that it's in that clear case i mean most people don't carry those around like that and so you the know fact that yours. you had it you probably know yeah. for sure it's yours yeah yeah holy cow oh, oh. Oh so, my gosh! Hopefully, it's a podcast crossed, miracle. Yeah, podcast fingers crossed. Miracle. It doesn't get lost in the mail because it's Christmas season now. Hopefully, it comes a to my fiery house safely. Burnout in the UPS truck on the way here. Yeah. 
Hopefully that doesn't happen. So, uh, what? I mean, I can't say anything. Yeah, I'm else so happy now. for you. You're you're a big jerk. There is but. nothing else to talk about at this point. Just the fact that you got your card back and you let us go for four hours tonight. It's not back not yet. Knowing. I can't pull the George move out of my pocket and be like, and here it is, you know, because I really wish I could is do that, that but it's not here yet. So no way. <laughs> oh. Man, oh! So I am super oh, excited. I finally get to work on those Thorswell images that I had. That I, <laughs> oh, you know, all gosh. the other wow. things from the redwoods, oh. and I'm just so excited to finally get those back. Oh, wow! <laughs> I, it, Don't ever count on it. <laughs> completely derails the podcast. I have no idea what else to talk about. Let's go ahead and go into our last break of the podcast just so that we can recuperate, come back, talk about Cannon Beach, the amazing sunrise that was our last photography moment of the good. trip. Mm-hmm. And then we'll do Gear Time Tip of the Week and a listener photog adventure. Okay. I think he's lying still. Now we're back with John on the phone. We're, we're at the last night we had with John. And really it was the last night of the entire trip. The next day we had sunrise and then we took off on the plane and came home. So this is Saturday night. And we're out at a place that I have never been. Have you been to Cape Kowanda, John? I've been to the parking lot. Oh, okay. And walked down to the beach, but I've never walked up to the cake itself. Um, I do some cycling, and there's some rides that end right there. Oh, in so Pacific City. So I've seen City. it, but, but never been on the cape itself until... Uh, with you guys. So you were just like us, not knowing exactly what to expect when we hiked up the, the ski slope of sand that we hiked up there. And John went off to the right and tried a different area than we were heading. And I don't even know what that area looked like other than from your picture. So can you describe that part of Cape Kowanda that you went up to? That climb up that sand took forever. <laughs> That's like a major climb. Um, I was wounded, winded. Uh, <laughs> I had to stop and rest. When I finally got to the ridge line, I was so pleased. I'm here. <laughs> I walked down toward the ocean to pretty much where the ridge line sand ended and the vegetation started. And I set up right there, um, used the apps to know about where the sun was going to set. So I, I was happy. And then I, I I did something, I think you call it uh, tripod anchoring. <laughs> you anchored your tripod and, and stayed in one I spot. I did. I sat there for an hour <laughs> waiting for the sun to set. Um, I should have been out exploring more, but uh, maybe that hike up just took it out of me, and I was just happy <laughs> right? to sit for a while. Oh, no kidding. I completely understand that. And from that spot that you were at, you're really far from the area that we would have been. You would have had to go down again and over and up. And so the thought of how much time that would have taken after 20 minutes of standing there thinking, oh, maybe I should go do something else. I, I would talk myself out of leaving that spot too with you out there trying to find your shot and this is where you ended up. Uh, what did you do? Did you take a shot every 10 minutes? Did you capture anything with the sun above the horizon or were you waiting for that moment of just the highest amount of color in the sky? No, I was taking shots every minute or two minutes or so. Um, I was quite happy with how the colors were happening on the clouds and to be honest with you, at one point in time, I was downloading one of my shots to my phone so I could paste it, post it on Facebook. Yeah. And then I looked up 
and that's when the afterglow was at its great. <laughs> and I just about fell over. It was so amazing. Wasn't it? It just never stopped. It was, oh, it just stretched across the sky. That glow was going like crazy. And that sunset, when the sun was up, was still fantastic. And I get why you would have been posting that one, saying, oh, well, here's my best shot. And then, wow, wasn't it amazing? How long did you end up staying there? Once the sunset, it got cold and I wasn't dressed for it. And a little windy up there, so I started heading down and trading messages with you, and you guys were still doing a little bit of shooting. Mm-hmm. I stopped on the beach and took one more shot of uh, the afterglow. Oh, I see um, that one. But I headed toward the uh, restaurant where we are going to eat quickly so I could get warm. I'm looking at that picture now on Facebook, and I love the blue to the orange gradient. That is so, so cool. You can see Cape Kiwanda, and you can see the haystack out in the distance, and so that looks really fantastic. In short, what would you say Cape Kiwanda brings for the greatest challenge to your photography on this trip specifically, and what went really well? First, what went really well? I think my location went well for me. Um, I'm, I'm real happy with that location. Um, what I could have done better is spend two weeks down there (laughs) and finding all the little locations and all the frames and such. Um, it's, it's an amazing area and just being there for one sunset left me a little empty. I want more. (laughs) For someone who's going to be out at Cape Kiwanda in the next week or two, and they have one night out there, what would your advice be to them? I would say before you get out there, go out there with a plan, determine what you want to shoot, then scout the area and do that. I'm afraid I'm the type where I would be running around thinking that would be better. No, this would be better. And then (laughs) that running around would lead to nothing. Just burn up all the time um, you have. I I like to be more focused, more um, straightforward in my shots. Knowing that here at Cape Kiwanda, because it's just 60 miles from my home, I can come back. If I'm, let's say, in Utah, (laughs) which has some beautiful sites, I would want to have someone with me that has been there that could guide me. Absolutely agree. So John, thanks for joining us on the adventure. That was so much fun. It was so much work and it was tiring. I think every time we all went to bed, we all kind of had a second thought, maybe we shouldn't wake up really early tomorrow morning. And yet every time we did, it was exhausting. How did you feel about the trip? It was really great. I was sorry I had to leave a day early to get back home. Uh, yeah. Um, I really appreciate uh, your group allowing me to join oh, you. Course. It was really exciting and some of the best photographs I've been have taken this year came from this trip. <laughs> awesome. And it's just an awesome experience. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. I mean, it was a listener adventure. Anyone could come. All of us were complete noobs to the area, so no one would feel out of place coming and joining us. And next year when we do this again for a listener adventure, every one of you who can feasibly afford to fly into Portland, 
join us. Let's do it. This is going to be a fantastic trip. It is a beautiful area. You're like, like John said, you're going to have some of your best photos of the year in this area. Absolutely guaranteed. So thanks, John. If you guys want to see John Henry Maurice's pictures on his Facebook, go to our Facebook listeners group, the Photog Adventures listeners group, and you can see the shots that we're talking about. There are the also, they are also going to be on our show notes. And so go to this episode 62 for his Hasita head and episode, oh, I'm sorry, episode 63 for Sahit Hasita head and episode 64 for the rest of his shots. I believe that's correct. Thanks, John, for joining us. I really appreciate you giving us the time to be on the call, and I can't wait to have you on the podcast again sometime soon. Sounds great. We'll get back to Drew, Kirk, Aaron, and Brendan talking about the rest of the trip. Welcome back to the Photog Adventures podcast, everyone. We're starting to dry up from the tears and sweat that the whole story <laughs> brought. I mean, in a moment of Seinfeld, that would be the final thing you would hear before credits played. And yet we still have a whole segment left of the podcast because... We yeah, but had I, that Christmas... was a perfect time to, to drop that bomb, though, I think. Oh, so. Yeah. I can't believe you held back. I thought you would it have told really, me the moment. Really it was really, really hard. I've been holding timing. it back for two, three whole days now, and it's been really, <sighs> yeah... Talking with Kirk on the in the break, we're talking that when we go out there next, Rachel, wherever she is, wherever she works, we got to give her a huge fat tip. She wouldn't take a twenty dollar reward, reward right. but man, somehow, some way, because she's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's a, uh, she, well, she said it actually passed to like three or four people before it got to the Lost and Found. So someone had handed it to like their server, and the server had to give it to like the. The, their the, supervisor. So and then if you su- had called earlier, you may not have even found it. You called it, the next. I did morning. call the next day. And I, no well, one I know. Find it. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. But even if you called like last right. week, you might not. It Ma- might not. Have maybe been. not. It's possible yeah. that that whole transition from people to people to people. Maybe it ended up uh, not really getting to because the there's lost only two people. She said at the restaurant that have a key for the safe for the for the um, you know for the lost and found and right. so. Um, it took uh, a whole day, I think, just for it to get in the lost and found. Well, how many so. of you would put something like that in your pocket and go home from work and be like, oh, right, this. And yeah. I don't work again until Thursday. And then well, maybe Thursday, the server like, at the end of the night was just like, oh, yeah, I have this and give it to the manager. Then, then the manager could you know, lock it up or Left who knows. Left it on so. his desk for a few days. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. <sighs> well, welcome back to the podcast. We're going to talk <laughs> about how the very last day, that sunset, I felt like I could die at that point. I was fine. The trip, everything we've experienced was highlighted by was the best sunset we had seen yeah, there. Yeah. Oh, it's perfect. I mean, everyone. And I want to bring up Rafa because he was also up there with us. And you can follow him on Instagram, Rafa the Peruvian. Here's his shot. He was just too down from oh, me. You can see how he brought a little bit more of the foreground mm, right here. He yeah. didn't have yep, a rock yeah. like like uh, Josh had, but Brian, I don't know your information, man. So I haven't been able to reference you, but as we're all sitting there, we're all going through different times of, Oh, will the clouds clear or will the sun be blocked at sunset? Uh, Will this happen? And man, it happened. So we're thinking in Cannon beach the next morning, I think Brendan had broken the news that he lost his card on the way out to Cannon beach. So we all kind of had a little bit of a, feeling of angst and frustration and sadness for him Mm. over the card but we're also excited for one last sunrise and see what happens and cannon beach delivered Mm. yeah it was good i mean the good thing is i didn't lose my card um from cape quanda's pictures i lost him from you know the a day before and so well the fact all of cape quanda i captured and everything else was great so i had I was I was happy at least for that. I'm like at least I got like the best sunset. So yeah. So the next morning we're joined by Kyle Kephart. He was going to meet us out there at Cannon Beach mm. and come out with us to this famous sea stack. 
Is it called Haystack Rock, Kirk? Yeah, Haystack Rock. Haystack mm. Rock. And it's a very interesting spot. We Once again, this is probably our third time trying to capture some stars in the morning to bring into our shot. And, well, I, I, I tried and I got a few, mm. but it seems like the clouds covered it. And it almost immediately switched from astro- from full darkness to astronomical twilight, and most of those stars just dissipated. Yeah, Did yeah. you guys get anything before the sunrise that you really loved? I got some blurry stars and just out of focus and <laughs> windy. It was super windy that morning. Oh, yeah, it was. Uh, it's hard to tell the story without just playing my video that I have right here. I'm showing the wind going across in front of my camera. And as the water is, it's not pooled up. It's more like it's so saturated on the sand that it has a layer of water above it. Mm-hmm. And the wind was drawing that water from all across the beach, way in front of us, way behind us. It was just traveling all the way through, and you know, it was I just think, whipping. I mean, look at yeah. this shot, and, and guys. I, I think yeah. some of that was coming – like I noticed that and because I went way up the beach um, to, to, again, get a get a look down the beach to try to get a little bit more of the color from the sunrise mm-hmm. in there. And where a lot of that water is coming from is is from the land. So there's little streams that are coming down the hill hmm. down onto the beach, and that's mm. fresh water that's coming across the top. So it's so, not even ocean water coming yeah, in. Yeah, so it's, it's extra fresh saturated water. beach, yeah. yeah. It was such a fantastic timing to have it, too, because we ended up getting a blow-up of pre-glow, mm. and the sky was fully salmon-colored, and then you had a completely um, – mirrored image of that color all throughout the ground below. I mean, we're mm-hmm. looking at Drew's image. I mean, uh, it's just Jeez, so amazing glorious. to see the detail yeah. of the sea stack coming in. So the shape that it has mirrored below and the big old red sky and yellow sky is just, oh, it's just glorious. Kirk, did you have a shot that out there that you want to talk about your composition and how you made it work? Because I feel like we all came home with the exact same shot. <laughs> Yeah, I think we're probably pretty close. Um, I was just kind of just a little bit north of uh, Haystack Rock shooting to the southwest, and uh, the the best thing of that morning was the uh, the the clouds were, uh, you know, the pink clouds against the blue sky were just really kind of wispy and diaphanous mm. and just very, it looked like they were streaking out of the top of Haystack Rock. I mean, they were just centered right on the rock so nicely. It it really worked out well. The fact that we had really wispy high elevation clouds allowed that pre-glow to really light up. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's usually the only time you get that real salmon color in the sky. You know, I I think we all had some, I I mean, amazing shots with the Haystack Rock in there and stuff like that. But I'll, I'll tell you, um, and Kyle can talk about this himself, and he I think he's had more experience than we have there, but mm-hmm. his stuff down in close was so different than anything that I was mm-hmm. shooting for mm-hmm. or anything. I was like, yeah. oh, my gosh. That, that was that was really impressive and, and amazing. I, I loved what he picked up. And That's and, a good uh, time right there for us to segue into yeah. a conversation with Kyle, and let's hear him talk about it because I knew he had a plan. He wanted to get out there. He was telling Brendan oh, about yeah, it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he knew exactly him, what he wanted, yeah. Go out here, right here, the low time. I'll, I'll let Kyle explain it. We're mm-hmm. back here with Kyle Kephart, guys, Compelling Imaging. If you want to follow on Instagram, you can find him at, at Compelling Imaging. And we're talking now about our Cannon Beach experience. So you've been there before. You've worked yourself uh, around it, trying to find a really good composition. When you came mm-hmm. out there with us, did you 
have something in mind that you thought, okay, I want to go and do this today because I had that last time and it was starting to really work for me? Or were you trying something completely new? I, I was, I'm always been dead set on uh, when I'm out at Cannon Beach trying to capture something that's different from what most people normally capture. So mm. I see a lot of people capturing it from a distance or a landscape orientation from a moderate distance. I have chosen to get up really close and capture waves as they recede away yeah. just to get something a little bit different. It's um, funny because I am guilty of being a little bit away, landscape orientation, and I look at your image, Kirk's images, my image, Andrew's image, and I think even Brendan's, we all have this image right here. The one yeah. where you've got a few rocks <laughs> on the left, and then you got the whole silhouette going up in the sky and reflecting in the water below. We all have this yeah. exact same image, so I get that. And then you look at your next image on your Instagram feed, and I'll link you guys in the show notes so you guys can see these images as well, but go to his Instagram feed and hit like. Pound that like button on Kyle's work because it's <laughs> awesome. And I'm looking at the silhouette right here as you're up close. You cut out all the other rocks, and you see this receding wave going back at it. I get it. I can see why this is so much different and I don't know if I want to say better, but it is. I mean, you feel much more of an intimate relationship with this giant haystack than you do in mine. The silhouette, while beautiful, it's it's less a part of your experience than it is when it's right here up in your face, you know? I mean, that you feel the connection <laughs> with the haystack there. Well, when would you start taking shots like this or had you just uh, decided you wanted to be closer and you found a good composition that morning? It's kind of been a choice of mine over the last year, um, trying to get more involved with the landscape, getting directly connected to it hmm. um, by getting involved with the, one of the elements, whether that a lot of times it's water, um, sometimes it's the flowers. So getting right up in the face of those flowers, getting the front element of the camera right up next to it, um, really getting intimate with the landscape that you're photographing is really one of my focuses from 2017. And I've, I feel like I've made a lot of progress so far. Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, I wish you didn't take this shot so I didn't feel any lack in my images that morning, but now you've left us, myself, Drew, and Brendan. Just in the shot, the, the audio right before this moment, you could hear Brendan and Drew say, oh, I mean, I wish I did what Kyle did. I wish I would have gone and done what Kyle did. Can you describe a little <laughs> bit about what the mindset or process is of trying to do what Kyle did? What did Kyle do? Well, first of all, I followed what you guys were doing, and I'm thankful for that because that image where it's in landscape view, it's not an image I would have normally taken, and it's oh. really beautiful, the colors yeah. um, that we had that morning, and shooting that reflection shot was absolutely worth it, <laughs> um, and we didn't miss out on any of the action in the waves, so... Um, best of both worlds, right? Best of both worlds. So I'm glad that I hung out with you guys that morning, and you guys really encouraged me to do something that I'm not... Uh, typically doing anymore but it's still worth doing um get it <laughs> go out there and take the take the obvious shot um because sometimes it's absolutely what you should do especially in a colorful morning like that you can't feel any regret whatsoever yeah it just wrapped around the the whole landscape and you couldn't shoot in the wrong direction that morning <laughs> yeah. you really couldn't <laughs> no <laughs> so with the process of going beyond the obvious shot what is your process? What was that morning at least? Well, that morning I noticed that the, the waves were really far receded back. Um, and my decision was to try and do something similar to what I'd done in the past at usually sunset. 
because that what is it's a, usually a location I'd shoot at sunset because mm. the sun sets off behind Haystack Rock. But on this morning, we just got that spectacular light, so it made that shot even more compelling because the the lighting of the area was more even yeah. compared to having a backlit uh, Haystack Rock. So it made it a lot easier, kind of, to shoot. Yeah, good point. So I got right down into the same area and noticed that it had changed dramatically since I'd last shot that. It's been a while, so the actual sand in that area moves quite a bit, so sometimes you'll have actual dredges of uh, sand. Um, other times it's more level, and sometimes you'll have rocks that you used to have in the foreground that are completely covered. Um, so it changes a lot from day to day, week to week, and so I just kind of went down into that area, watched the waves as they came in and went out, and judged <laughs> kind of where it was going to be safe, because sometimes you do have those larger waves that come in. Right. Luckily, I was a lot warmer, and I was prepared with my uh, boots. Um, <laughs> so I had uh, I have these waterproof boots, but even then, sometimes the waves were coming in and splashing over those, so I, I still had some soggy soggy feet <laughs> did they puddle up in your while. boots did water fill them a little bit uh yeah a little bit uh, so i was kind of walking around in my own little puddle for the rest of the morning <laughs> nrs boundary uh, socks man have you not listened to nick page come on <laughs> i have but um i i apparently am too cheap or uh just not willing to listen <laughs> <laughs> hey they um, feel really expensive when you're buying them but once you get them you completely forget you spent 80 dollars for them and when you put them on and they're so sweet out there i don't regret it i don't regret it one bit and you're out there a lot more than me you should definitely get a pair i need to invest in them if not uh, just to compare them i will say that i have invested in a second pair of rain poof rain rain boots that are more for winter oh, okay um, and i was able to stand in a waterproof str or a water uh, that was glacial runoff Ooh. for quite a while, and I was toasty warm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so, awesome. Um, whatever works, uh, but I right. should try out those NRS boundary, boundary shocks to just see what's going on. <laughs> so as you're sitting there trying to avoid the waves, he hasn't – I hope you guys are getting the picture in your head, but as me as a bystander seeing him, he goes to the few rocks, like little turtlebacks, you know, in the – on the shoreline that he could stand on them as the waves are coming around him. So he isn't away from the waves whatsoever. He's completely 20 yards into where the waves are receding and going out, receding past, and he's standing on a little bit of high ground so they can get a shot. And so mm -hmm. what I was noticing is you don't see a lot of those rocks as the waves pull over the rocks that were in front of you. Because what I noticed when I was walking away from you is it seemed like there were six, seven, eight rocks around the same height, but then some of these waves completely bury them. Yeah. Um um, I was standing on the rock, and uh, I was probably still knee-deep in water as that, <laughs> those waves would come in. So uh, I was certainly outside of my comfort zone at some times. Um, when you look back and you see that the water has gone uh, 10, then 15, then 20 yards past where you're at, you're wondering if the tide will ever go back out so you can walk back. <laughs> or if it's going to be a walk back in, uh, you know, waist-deep water, yeah. which is so much Am I swimming this? I mean, I'm having a blast looking this way, but I haven't <laughs> paid attention to the fact that now the shore is another 100 yards. It used to be 15. Now it's 100 yards away. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> yeah. And then... So 
Go ahead. Another part of that uh, is shooting vertically compared to horizontally because, mm. for one, you're so close that even shooting at maybe even 16 millimeters on a full-frame lens, um, you're filling the full frame. I think I was at 20 millimeters oh, uh, okay. at that point. That's so, really much closer than, really than I close. thought you would have been. So it's it's hard to fill or it's hard to shoot wide enough at that point. Yeah. Um, to shoot even horizontally, so I was shooting vertical compositions, really filling the frame with the the top part being the rock, and then the bottom, ideally two thirds or so of the shot being receding water into that. So was twenty millimeter a choice or a limitation of what you had on you? Yeah, uh, it was a choice. I have a sixteen to thirty-five, or had a sixteen to thirty-five. An unfortunate story about that one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, a bonus gear time with you after this. Hearing about that terrible story. Why do we relish hearing other photographers lose their gear? I don't know. It just helps us take more care of our gear, or think about what we're not thinking about that could lose our gear. So yeah, I want to hear that story. But you had that at the time, and you chose right. specifically the twenty millimeter. Why? So I chose 20 millimeters because it really fills the frame and I find myself shooting at that focal length a lot just because I like the aesthetic of 20 millimeters to 24 millimeters. Oh really? That's kind of my sweet spot of most of my work, 20 to 24 millimeters. Let me ask you, with this morning, what's something that was a major challenge for you? Kind of gone over what went well and what didn't go well with everything that you said, but specifically what stands out to you as one of the challenges you had that morning? Oh boy, um, this one is something I've been thinking about since that day, um, and really? that is actually the, um, once I had to get off of the rock, uh, I had to dig the tripod into the sand, and even then, sometimes I'd notice a little bit of camera shake in each of the exposures. All right, the waves reason, or just mere sand being loose? It was the waves. Um, I remember the tripod actually feeling a little bit of vibration. Oh. Uh, I would dig the tripod in, um, and since then I've actually upgraded my tripod as well. So <laughs> wow. we're gonna see if that helps at all. But um, it's gotten expensive super, for you since that super morning. Super challenging. <laughs> it has been. <laughs> all things that I've been planning on doing at some point, but I uh, was kind of forced into it. The gearheads in the audience want to know what tripod you had and what you upgraded to, because if you felt like it had shake in the ocean, what did you have that you didn't feel like was strong enough? So it was a very thin legs, but they were it was strong enough back okay. when I was using it. It was a Manfrotto 209. It was, it's an older tripod. It's an aluminum tripod. Mm, okay. Um, and it was really b built pretty sturdy, but it didn't go very high. It didn't have uh, spiked feet, and the actual legs on it were a little flimsy, and I know I'd actually bent the metal on them a little bit <laughs> since I'd had it, but it's been in, you know, the Pacific Ocean, the Atlantic Ocean, the Mediterranean Sea, it's been in, in the oh, Gulf of Mexico, so it's been in, in its fair share of salt water. I hate your tripod. Your tripod's having more fun than I've had lately. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I've since upgraded to a Benro tripod. Okay, a Benro. I'm not, I'm not 100% ready to recommend it yet but it's served me well enough in freezing cold temperatures um, so i'd highly recommend the carbon fiber tripods because they're much lighter yeah i love my faisal i'm luckily not having any of the issues that nick was having nick page was having with his 
you know, clamping up on him. And so yeah. I'm just not in the salty situation that he's always in out there at waterfalls and lakes or waterfalls and oceanside. So I can have a little bit more life left in mine. But I love the carbon fiber. Completely agree. So your Ben Rhodes carbon fiber that you have right now? Yeah, and it's, I'm actually going off of the recommendation from an F Stoppers article that I saw. Good old F Stoppers. Yeah, if you want to find this tripod model, it's it's going to be off of the F Stoppers page, um, and they used it when they were doing their photographing the world with Elia Licardi series. Oh, and that's the series so. I love. Love that series. <laughs> Haven't purchased yeah. the next one, but I'm very tempted, and this year I will get it in 2018. So I'll grab that information, guys, and put it in the show notes below, and say specifically that if you don't like this, it's Kyle Kephart's fault. Deal. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy um yeah. I, I certainly won't recommend the head though <laughs> oh really it comes with a head that's just not that great uh no it's a different head that i'm still using um but i've noticed a, a small flaw with it that i'm at least aware of now oh well those are the things that you find out over time so awesome keep letting us know in the listener group how it goes because i know that rob ryan was asking about benro tripods just the other week and so people are looking into benro more and more so let us know yeah. your experience. So before this turns into a gear time segment, <laughs> yeah. let's go back. You were behind the scenes talking with him most of the time. Brendan, did you do any of the stuff he was recommending he was going to do? Did you go follow him in there and take some shots? I didn't. Um, he was uh, more prepared than I was uh, foot-wise, I guess. I just had uh, my regular b- um, boots that have that, that are waterproof, but only up to like my, you know, my ankles. So um, he was full-on like rubber like galoshes or something or, or yeah. he had definitely better prepared. He was definitely ready to go into where he wanted uh, to be. And uh, I wasn't. So I just kind of stayed back and got some, tried to get reflection shots of the water and played around with some of that. And uh, saw a seagull picking at a crab. And I thought that was kind of funny. So I got some pictures <laughs> of that. And <laughs> I mean, I literally saw the seagull fishing for the crab. I mean, he pulled him out and flipped him upside down and then started like pecking at him. And the crab was fighting back. And I just, that was pretty fun watching that. So, Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> With your composition for when it was really red, I see pretty similar composition between me, Drew, and Kirk's shot. But Brendan and you and you and Kyle were over there kind of off the frame for my shot. It seemed like your cameras weren't really turned on, and then you guys saw the light fill in, and you started capturing some shots right from that spot. What was your composition? Um, my composition was... Um getting as much of the sky as possible with the C stack. And I got some pictures of my looking phone. Looking back at the sunrise, not This is looking C-stack. back at the sunrise with my yeah. phone. My camera was, you know, facing the direction, but um, mm. the, the, the sky was just so amazing that, I mean, you just can't go wrong as long as you have something <laughs> of interest in there with the reflections and the stack rocks is just so cool. See, that's what I, that's what I did is I, I wanted to get that sky in there. So again, I walked way yeah. up the beach and I mean, in this shot here, you I can see you guys. There? Yeah, you are, and you're there. You are. <laughs> oh, that's us. That, yeah, so that's how that's how far up us. I went there. And part of it is again crop sensor, so I have to go even further mm, I see. in order to get the the width there. But I was way up the beach. It's really interesting guys. to see the shape of the haystack rock from that angle, where you get sort of a cap and a point. Mm-hmm. And up close where I was, you have more of a. Half it's, dome type shape. Yeah, oh, half so, yeah. dome, like in Yosemite. Mm-hmm. Another yeah, part. I, I actually have separation between 
another rock that is on uh, on the other side, on mm, the seaward yeah, side see it. there because I went so far up there. And oh, I yeah, got we were covering it up from our angle. Stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I really like that. I think that's stronger than what I have because you have that I other like element colors, on the right. Though. The colors are insane. Yeah, we had such a great morning. It, it, it's so interesting because you get the sky and the wisps and they're red, but then the reflection seems mm. like it's all uniform red. Yeah. It all just kind of blends together, and you get sort of a half tone of red below the horizon and above the horizon, a different version of red. It's interesting it's how so with unique, stars, yeah. the light of the stars completely magnify and change in the reflection of water. Yeah. But with the sunrise and sunset, it looks like that water out there, that big plane of water, really kind of changes with the what colors above. Yeah, some, and, somehow seems to smooth everything out, right, and blend yeah. things together, yeah. Yeah, so I'm looking at my composition, then we'll go over to Kirk, is I have two images, one where I'm kind of cropped in more on the rock, mm. but then I have to cut out part of the reflection of the haystack and I like it still and I like how I can bring that more as an important subject in the other shot I really like having a full sky of color but I end up with so much negative space on the left that I look at mine to Drew's and I think if I had to choose what Mm. is the best way to capture the rock out big like this where you make them smaller in the frame and you you depend on that mirror reflection a little bit more I think it's Drew's shot because Mm. you start getting more of the mountains in the distance the clouds over there at the sunrise the yellow of the sun as it's coming up in the sunrise and so that transition of color to the pinks ends up making it a stronger full composition than what i had where i really had nothing going on over in the left just kind of hints at something happened but not enough Mm. context to know what you're looking at so you have a really great shot here drew i like that a lot Mm, thanks so kirk will you end up in the early shot have you done any processing on any of your images i haven't gotten to any of the canon beach stuff and i actually just scrolled through the whole set and it's like there's a lot of stuff to work with there. It, it looks really good. <laughs> Anything that was a major challenge about the area that stands out to any of you guys? Well, one thing was the the tide was coming in, so we, we kind of had to keep retreating away from the rock. And uh, one nice thing about Cannon Beach and Haystack Rock is at low tide, you can get right up to the base of the rock and, and uh, be standing right next to it. Um, the whole area there is surrounded with uh, some tide pools, um, there's a lot of basalt rock outcroppings and like, uh, I think Drew saw one of the spires that's off to the side of Haystack Rock from his angle. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a place that you can hit at any tide level. I think you can get up mm-hmm. close at low tide or you can be way back up the beach at high tide. Um, there's no time that you can't really go to Cannon Beach and, uh, you know, get a good composition out of it. Absolutely agree. Good point, yeah. For me, the challenge was the the wind was insanely, was just yeah. insane. <laughs> and um, and I was totally unfamiliar with the place, obviously, being up there the, for the first time. And um, I wish I had uh, listened to Kyle a little bit more and prepared myself and put my boundary socks on that morning and gone out there and been with him because then I would have got something I really would have been happy with. But in general, still, you can't go wrong. I mean, the the, the sky blew up in just some beautiful colors. Um, if you just get a good shot with a reflection in there, you're going to be happy. I mean, I also haven't had time to process those images yet, but I know that there's plenty to work with. And I'm really excited to start working on those. So Absolutely. Anything from you, Drew, before we go on and close this out? No, um, but but I'll tell you what. Next time I go there, I'm going to look at Kyle's images first. I think mm. one of the things is is that you just don't have enough time there because mm-hmm. I, you know I mean the the 
the sky, everything cha- was changing pretty fast. I actually got a pretty good like nighttime to daytime um, time lapse of that that I'm looking for right here. That's awesome. Or, or I, I set that up on my uh, new iPhone and and uh, it was kind of fun. In that situation, when the sky blows up like that, it's crazy. You're kind of thinking, okay, my composition right now, let's just sweeten it and go. Because mm. this, if you run around too much, you could miss it. And you yeah. would regret that a million times more mm-hmm. than in my situation. When I look at the two compositions between Drew's and mine and think about which one I like more. I like Drew's more but I would have hated myself for missing that moment. Mm, And I can always go back and hope for the same kind of sunrise. And the thing is, I was worried about the photographers behind me. And if I go out there and way out there and bring them into my frame, I didn't want that. And so that's what kind of locked me into this space is I wanted to keep everyone out of my frame. And I also didn't feel like I wanted to lose too much time going way bizarre and going far away. But what was cool about the limitation that Drew had, this crucible that he had of, I got a 70D, I, I got a, a 7D, and he can he needs to try and pull back a little bit. He was forced to go back, and he found a better composition that I would have never gone for and tried myself. And so it's, it, it, it's cool to have that experience, go back and do it a few more times and do it buddies to see how tripod's so close and you still can have a completely different image and sometimes it really inspires you to get out there and do more mm-hmm. as we're taking our shots a big distraction for me was this Chinese guy who seemed to not be trying to take a shot and he had his <laughs> tripod he had his camera and all of this was happening and he just kind of kept wandering and looking like wow why is it this guy capturing this moment yeah yeah does he not appreciate what's going on and it turns out after the sun had as the sun was coming up more and we started to see more light on the rocks and we could stay or go i asked him i was like i was finding out what's going on i think either kirk approached him or brendan approached him and he finally asked us if one of us could give him a phone he needed to use a phone to call his car rental company because he had locked his camera gear in his car with the keys. He had arrived. Ah. He got his tripod out. He put something down, and then the door shut, and he didn't realize that his keys were in his pocket anymore. His keys and his phone were in the car, I think. Keys, phones, Uh rest of his camera gear, all locked inside the car. So once he arrived, he did one thing, let a door shut, and didn't realize the other doors would be locked. So once he closed Uh his driver door, all he had was his tripod. That's a tragedy. Oh, big (laughs) Can you you imagine? You've made all the arrangements to be out here to the point where you need a rental car, you're not close to home. Right. Right. right? And you get there and there's this the incredible most glorious sunrise. <laughs> incredible light. And and then you're like, Can't uh, yeah, take a you shot. lock your freaking keys in the car and, and even, your camera gear. Even if oh. we had addressed him and talked to him and, and gotten him to ask us for our phone back then, it wouldn't have been enough time for the car rental agency to come, the tow company to come and open no, up the doors. The, mm-hmm. I think the police department came and got it. He wouldn't have missed it either when, when way. When we were getting in, there was a police. No, it was a tow was company. It was, was a tow. It? Yeah, yeah. They came and unlocked his car, and oh. so and so. Oh my gosh, Wong May. I'm so sorry, man. We're so happy that you were able to get in there. He was out there for work. He's from China. We asked him if he wanted to listen to the Photog Adventures podcast, and he told Brendan, what was he said again? Uh, I don't remember. He, he was saying that basically, uh, I don't know if I can even get through the Chinese firewall with oh, most right. websites, and so I right. can't get to YouTube, and I won't be able to see your guys' podcast most likely. And so he was interested, 
but most likely because of the politics of his country, he might not be able to listen. Might not or even be allowed. Well, you guys are kind of subversive. Oh, we talk Definitely. about the politics between China and U.S. all the time. Yeah, and constantly. So, <laughs> Xiao Guang. Uh, I mean. I was hurting for you watching you just hold your tripod. I'm like, why don't you pull your camera out? I'm like, mm. I don't want to tell this photographer what he needs to be doing. But I felt <laughs> like this is a situation where it's like, I got to tell this photographer what to do because this place is beautiful. Yeah, and Kirk has three cameras in his bag. Oh, man, good point. <laughs> he could have borrowed them. I think I left them all in the car, like, This though. guy's got a spare. Get it on that tripod. <laughs> what was that, Kirk? Yeah. I think I left everything up in the uh, the oh. car except for the the one Locked I brought in down. The car. Mm. It's true. It was yeah. the last morning. Why bring everything? Uh, right, right. So when we found out that he needed a phone call, Brendan and I ended up going off the beach with him, helping him get set up, and then it was just sort of a waiting game for Kirk and Drew to finish up and join us. And so we didn't get any more shots at that point, but what a sad story. He missed it. He had his tripod and just everything was in his car. Yeah. He just uh, had to be there for the experience. So fantastic experience. Oregon coast 2017. I am absolutely doing this trip twice a year. <laughs> I'm going to do the November trip again because you get that, that marine mm. layer that's just not affecting the horizon as much during November. And it was fantastic. Loved it. Can't wait to do this again. I hope all of you guys will come again. I know Kirk's oh, yeah. up for Definitely. it. He's out there. Yeah, I'm up for it. Yep. I'm so already here. I'm thinking I'm, <laughs> thinking I'm going to take my wife back for spring break. Oh, you got to. It's a very cheap flight from here in Utah to Portland. It was nothing. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and I, I want to go um, get the, uh, what are they, hyacinths? What, the, not hyacinths, they're the, the flowers. Oh, the rhododendrons? The rhododendrons. rhododendrons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Red rhododendrons under those uh, redwoods. I, I want to go yeah. when they're out. That's That would be amazing. Yeah, yeah, I literally want to repeat the same trip. Go yeah. all the way down to Crescent City and yeah, then work my way so up. That would be fun to yep. do that again. Take yeah. two weeks next time. How about that? Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm down for that. As long yeah. as our wives are, we'll just do it. Camp out <laughs> next to Thor's well. Uh, it's yeah. looking like it's looking pretty good right oh, now. Let's it's definitely, as Brendan and I get more familiar in that area, we're definitely going to be working on a workshop on that in that spot yeah, because to, it's yeah. so cool. we yeah. got to share it with everyone who wants to come. I need to see the gorge, too. I've never been oh, there. And that's true. We I need to make it out there. Yeah. too burned up. So. Oh, yeah. I agree. Yeah. So before we go into the sadness of the gorge, let's get into some gear time with Brendan. Hey, so today on Gear Time, we're going to talk about something a little different. Because we were on the coast, um, Drew's wife said, hey, I don't want you out there unprotected, so here's this little gadget you can have. And did she buy it for you? or No, just- she. We, we talked about it to begin with, and I was like, there are some places that I, I've heard are pretty brutal out there. And uh, and so she's she was a little concerned about it. And so what I ended up getting was, uh, you know, I didn't want to wear a life jacket out there or anything right. the whole time. You feel like a weirdo. Yeah, well, I still <laughs> felt like a little bit like a weirdo. But I, I found, uh, and, and I bought this thing. It was brand new. It's an NRS Zephyr inflatable, inflatable PFD life jacket. And it looks like a little fanny pack. And it has a... Uh, kind of a CO2 cartridge thing mm. and you just do pull the rip cord and, and all of a sudden now you've got a, a life jacket. That is pretty darn cool though. It, it is pretty cool. I yeah. mean, if you, it, you know, I don't know. I think you'd get the crap beat out of you by, <laughs> by getting smashed against the rocks a bit. <laughs> but, but the truth is, is that, you know, if it's, if, if you can handle the cold, just like, I mean, I, I thought about this before I was going up there and I was going, I bet the rocks are brutal and I bet that's mm. the problem. But if you have this on you so you don't have to worry about being buoyant, 
Right. You know, I think I would swim out and just do the same thing that you do in if you're caught in a rip and try to get away from the from the rocks right. and and then swim sideways. You know, right and to, to I, a beach or something. Yeah, safer. Oh, yeah, or, yeah. or or just be be alive for long enough. Somebody could give you get some you help and fish you out. So, yeah, exactly. I, I it it's cool because it's so little and unobtrusive and you just don't worry about it and you just put it on like a belt in it you know it, now you've got something and you only ever worry about it if you really need to worry about it so <laughs> yeah that's awesome so we're going to put a, a a link to the description of this thing on our uh show notes yeah and, i think uh, they're about a hundred bucks on amazon yeah that's like great that. So if you guys are um, interested in something like that, check it out. And you guys can help support Photog Adventures by purchasing that or following our Amazon links and buying anything else you guys need there. And um, give us some support and follow those links for us. Absolutely. We're back. We're back with Kyle Kephart. I mean, this is turning into the longest third part of an ep- of a podcast series. We thought we'd only do three for Oregon. And maybe we should have done four. But who cares? Thor's well Cape Kiwanda and Cannon Beach was an awesome, awesome area. Not to mention we went to Yaquina Head Lighthouse and the Yaquina Bay Bridge. So a lot happened in this time frame. And so we should have broken it out, but it's just too cool. Hope you guys have enjoyed a nice long podcast. Well, to make a long podcast even longer, let's hang out with Kyle Kephart some more and hear a little gear time sad misfortune tale. I mean, this is a horror story I'm imagining since you're saying in essence, you lost your 16 to 35. What happened? Oh, boy. I, it keeps replaying over and over in my head um, <laughs> exactly what happened. So I was... I'm like the opposite uh, of a counselor. I'm the guy who goes in and hits people in the ribs and say, tell us again how bad it was. <laughs> <laughs> and it was bad. Wow. I, I was up on one of my favorite spots to photograph. It's White River West Snow Park. It's a long lane. but Where's that uh, at? It's, it's out on Mount Hood. Okay. There's a lot of people that have photographed it, but it's there's a for good reason it's an incredible spot where you have these streams uh that kind of snake through uh the the rocks and during the summer it doesn't look like much because it's just this giant field of uh large boulders but during the winter time it simplifies the scene with this fresh layer of snow and so I was up there trying to capture this in the early morning. It was sunrise. It was just before the light was supposed to get really good with that alpine glow. Yeah, sounds glorious. On the mountain. And I had my tripod set up. I put the camera on top of the tripod. Uh, D800, 16 to 35, F4, Nikon. Mm. Uh, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I was pointing it the opposite direction to catch some of the, the kind of start of the colors for sunrise. Then I turned the camera around, pointed it at the mountain, started to frame up my composition with some ice in the foreground, and uh, I was adjusting the tripod, turned around to grab a lens cloth so I could wipe off the front element, just to make sure that I could keep it all clean, and that was (laughs) when I turned around just to see the the camera take a nosedive, a swan dive, right into the (laughs) glacial water. No! I go lunging for it and uh, managed to grab it within about three to four seconds, but that was all it took. Um, that was that ended up killing the D eight hundred as and well as the, the sixteen to thirty five. Oh, man. I mean, when you think about the movie tropes, the classical movie tropes in horror films where you think, okay, uh, guys, I'm going to go back and get that one thing I forgot alone. You're like, oh, dude, he's dead. He's dead. The camera photographer (laughs) version of that is, oh, let me get a lens wipe real quick. Let me turn around in my bag and grab something. And that's when your camera's like, plump. Seriously. 
And in three seconds, the thing was completely submerged in water and destroyed it. There was no rice resurrection that happened. Yeah, no, I picked up the camera out of the water. And I ended up bumping my knee pretty good, too. So <laughs> your reaction I was... tore through my favorite pants, and that was, <laughs> that was gone, too. Anything um, for your camera. You were diving for it, it sounds like. I, yeah, I really was. And <laughs> I pick up the camera. And I know you're not supposed to, but I took the lens off the camera body, um, mm. and that was when I saw the, all the water just trickling out of the lens and out of the camera. <laughs> oh, no. It was coming out of the battery compartment, and it was oh. absolutely quite the nightmare. Gosh, I wish I had Kirk, Drew, and Brendan here moaning with me. It damaged the focusing motor because it fell oh. so hard. So you lost a D800, so I'm, I'm assuming you got a new camera. You got the D850 now? Uh, I actually did not. Um, so I have a trip planned to go to Europe in 2018. So I decided that I'm going to downsize my kit. Oh, and mirrorless? I actually opted for a mirrorless uh, Fuji X-T2. Fuji X-T2. Awesome. So it's completely different. Uh, I'm still working out the kinks of it, but it is, it's quite refreshing. I actually went up to shoot that same scene just to kind of be like, I conquered it after <laughs> that uh, tragic event. And I actually did manage to get uh, a nice image of just awesome light. I actually uh, put it up on F-stoppers and randomly enough, Michael Shane Bloom <laughs> saw yes. it and let me know that uh, he appreciated the, the shot. So that <laughs> hey. was kind of encouraging feedback to receive. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, you get a little smiley face, thumbs up from Aaron King. You're like, awesome. I'm glad that he feels that way. You get that from Michael Shamblum, you feel like you're vindicated. You feel justified <laughs> for being a photographer. That's awesome. Someday, someday he'll give me that thumbs up. Maybe I should go to F-Stoppers more. I put some of our videos and pictures up there, but not many. Hmm. Okay, well, that's awesome, Kyle. Thanks for the horrifying story for Gear Time. Tell us, how can people follow Kyle Kephart? I've already mentioned Instagram is at Compelling Imaging. Where else can they find you online? So I actually do have a website. It's compellingimaging.com. Uh, oh, awesome. So if you want to check me out on there, um, and that has links to all of the other places that you might be able to find me. Wherever you want to connect with me, I'd be more than happy to answer any questions you might have or just connect. Right on. And follow his blog. He's got interesting stories, tells his photog adventures out there. And I just, it's something that if you're not out in Oregon and you want to be out in Oregon, you want to see some more photography from there, Kyle Kephart's one of those guys that you can really relate to and has some great photography. So thanks for getting on with me today, man. Really appreciate it. No problem. It's my pleasure. Let's go back to Drew and Kirk and everybody and talk to myself again on the other end of this recording. Tip of the week is about going to a new area like this and going out to the coast. Sometimes you feel very confident that I'm looking at Google Earth. I've zoomed in. I got my car. It's going to park here. That's where I want to go. I'm going to have an easy time. Don't think you're ready by just looking in Google Earth that from here to here, that's practically nothing to walk. Make sure you go into Google Earth Pro and you can actually see the terrain go up and down or make sure you change the terrain in Google Maps so that you can see the terrain because you need to get an idea that from that parking lot to there, oh, look how far down it goes. Look how far you're going. And so one thing that I wished I had done on this Oregon trip, despite seeing what Kirk has marked in the landmarks, what I had marked down for the landmarks we wanted to hit, and knowing that, okay, look in Google Maps, this is where it is, I, ne I neglected entirely to check the hiking trails for that spot or to look up what it is 
is to hike down. Just Google one little sentence,、mm. how to walk down to Secret Beach. I could、mm-hmm. have learned all that stuff in advance. And so, when you guys are going out to a location like this and you never really get to, make sure you double check what it is to walk from the vehicle parking lot that you're seeing on Google Maps to the spot you want to be. As simple as it looks on Google Earth, All of these places turned out to be much more work than we ever expected. Terrain will、mm. affect your time.、Oh, straight down, you need to give yourself time to get there or make sure you have headlamps or you just got to realize okay, where's Thor's well? I have a little bit more information so that、mm-hmm. you can get there、mm-hmm. and take advantage of your time more than we did. We had a situation where we would, everything turned out fine, but I always felt like I was in the dark once I got there. Like, oh, Is this the trail? Thunder Rock? Yeah, this is so much different than we expected, or you know, something like that. We just, yeah. And, and again, yeah. a lot of these areas, just like Southern Utah, there are pockets where, depending on your、um, cell service, you have、mm. coverage or you don't have ca- coverage. And I would suggest that you, you know, get on Gaia,、uh, get the Gaia app, or, or even now Google Maps will do it,、Read. and download the maps、yeah. before you go out so that your,、mm-hmm. your phone can still serve as a GPS and tell you not only where you are on a blank screen, but actually where you are in relation to the road and in relation to Thor's Well and in relation to the trail and things like that. Make sure you have a, a, some sort of an app that, that will allow you to, to download. The maps to where they're cached on your phone. So the Gaia app, that's spelled G A I A, right? Yeah, yeah. I'll put a link to that. Kirk, yeah, you're about to say something? Since it was brand new. Yeah, there's also something called、uh, paper maps that you can、uh, either buy or print out yourself. I don't、and、think they use those anymore. What are you talking about? I start about? writing down paper maps. Those are, paper, those are, those are maps, all、uh, antique, Kurt. <laughs> they, 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 they're not updated because they, they stopped using them, really. <laughs> One of the things well, that I even, did the even the old、trip. ones are still good sometimes. So, <laughs> especially if you're like gonna hike out in the desert for a day and you know your phone dies, and you know, I've, I've heard、uh, that there's issues with、uh, getting far enough from、uh, cell towers. That when your phone is starting to lose service, it actually bumps up the wattage of the phone、sure、trying、does. to get contact with the、uh, cell towers. Right, and right, it'll drain your battery out a lot faster. So,、sense. you know, put it on airplane mode if you're going to be、uh, out in the middle of nowhere, or get yourself a paper map and carry a compass. I mean, they don't have to be really gigantic. I mean, a、oh, little compass is. Oh, you could print is, the maps out from、exactly. the internet. You know, I mean that's yeah, a, just that's fold a it good up and idea. Put your so, kind of thing and, yeah, yeah. Printing, that's weird. It's like you guys don't even care about trees. <laughs> so, the whole trip, I had a thing that I had to stop because two days into it, I'd already said it too many times. But Kirk would always bring up a story that seemed like they always centered around the 1990s. It started off with something then. And so, I always tease that everything Kirk talks about is pre 2000. And、uh, this paper map thing you're talking about, that's just crazy talk. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, the best、home. stories were from the 80s, I think. So, <laughs> not even the 90s. That was the 80s. Exactly. Yeah. Those <laughs> <laughs> Those haven't aged well enough yet. Well, guys, this has been a long enough podcast. I'm completely foregoing a listener photog adventure. Let's save that for our next podcast.、Yeah. But again, thank you, Kirk Kais. Thanks for joining us. Find him, kaisphoto.com. Thank you, yeah, Drew. Thanks. You've been along for three podcasts, both of you guys, and been through this whole thing. And you guys, you guys came us on the adventure. Thanks、That、for coming.、Awesome. Follow Drew's stuff at drewarmstrong.com. 
Uh, just really appreciate it. If you guys had one final going away tip for I want to go and do coastal Oregon photography, what's the one thing you would say make sure you do under one minute? Go Kirk, then Drew. Um, leave yourself lots of time at every location. Don't try to rush from one spot to the other because it's uh, about 370 miles, 400 miles from uh, the California border up to the Columbia River, and uh, it's a big area. So plan ahead and give yourself lots of time at the spots that you pick. Awesome. Mm. What would you say, Drew? You know, what I would say is I would say go with us or go with you guys on a workshop. You know, I mean, the, the, the problem that I have with, with a brand new area like this, and, and I'm not afraid to, um, you know, when you're in a rush and you want to cover a lot quickly, having somebody else there that will tell you that's already pre-scouted it and knows what's there and know, knows what, you know, where, how to get from here to there exactly where the stairs are and, 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 <laughs> yeah. and where to park and, 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 and then can show you, you know, give you pointers on your photography and composition too. You know, th- I think that's valuable, but mm-hmm. you know, I mean, my mm-hmm. wife and I went to Prague and uh, Budapest this past spring and uh, we had four hours in, in each of those cities where we were turned loose and man, I got myself a tour guide and that was a photographer and we got, I mean, I, I, I got a first place in the state fair this year with one of my shots that I got in Prague and she got a second, I got a second in a, with another one. Um, no, I think she got a first place in the amateur class here in awesome. Utah. And, and that comes from having somebody that could get us to eight iconic spots in four hours. Mm. And you're just not going to mm. be able to mm-hmm. do that by yourself you know there's money or time and it's going to be one or the other but it's not both and if you if you spend a little bit more time um then you're fine but if you don't have the time then spend a little bit of money and and tap into somebody else's experience (laughs) right on thanks drew brendan do you have any parting wisdom for oregon coast interested photographers yeah one thing we discussed after we had after i had lost my memory card is ways that we could back up or ways to prevent this from Mm, happening and even um, talked to kyle kephart about it a little bit my camera has two slots and he's like, oh you lost your card what about the other card slot and i'm like i don't have it in there (laughs) and so we discussed Uh, okay so if you have two card slots get a bigger card to go in the in one slot and use it as a recurring backup every single time. And so if you lose one card, you've got this one as a backup that's Already always going. Already have redundancy. And you, nice. just re, and you just redo it every couple of days, just erase it and just keep it as a kind of a constant backup buffer. Another idea is they've got these portable hard drives that have an SD card slot reader, and you can just shove it in there. And back Western it up. Digital has you know, one yeah, of those. You can do that every every day when you're going out. And so that way, if I lost a card, I only miss a day and not three days of you know images yeah. and stuff like that. And so um, there's a few ideas out there. Um, and then, of course, Drew's tip on writing your name and number on the bottom of the card is a great idea. Brilliant. So, um, yeah, that's what, I, that's what I would suggest is, you know, keep backup in mind, especially when you're doing a long journey like this, it's seven days or whatever. Um, know what you're going into and prepare yourself for some failure. And by creating a little bit of redundancy, you're going to have a much better outcome. So. Yeah, you know, I, I've got – finally, I've got a Sony with, the, with two card slots. 
I've got a 256 in one that I just leave it in there. Mm -hmm. And everything writes to both of them. Mm -hmm. But I'll take the other one out, transfer it. It's a little faster, transfer the stuff to my computer or to my iPad or whatever. And I keep pulling that back and forth. But that's it. That, you know, I... I, I always leave a bigger one at 256 in the in the one slot. So. Awesome. Absolutely. Definitely. You guys don't want to go to these beautiful places for the first time ever without a redundant way of making sure you don't have just a card failure and you lose your stuff. So next year, we'll do a definite listener adventure out in this area, and we won't be noobs in the area. We can show you where to go. We can put you in the spot that you want to be, and it's going to be fun. So hopefully you guys can get your flight out there. Listener adventures are always free, so just come and hang out with us and have fun. But you will be paying lots of money on food, hotel stay, and just getting yourself (laughs) out there. So it won't be completely cost-free, but it's definitely worth it. Thanks to Kyle Kephart. Thank you for John Henry Maurice. You guys have been fantastic to hang out with, too. We're so glad that you guys joined us for the times that you did. Yeah, it was fun. This has been a wonderful, wonderful trip. It was hard to even begin to say it in three podcasts, let alone trying to jam all this into one. So thanks for hanging out with us, The Ride, the ride of telling this adventure. Thanks for listening to the Photog Adventures podcast. We'll be back to you next week. And see you later, Kirk. See you later, Drew. Yeah. Happy New Year, guys. Yeah. See you guys. Thanks. <laughs>